Gentlemen, start your engines. This is going to be a mighty emotional occasion for a lot of people, not the least of whom is myself. In a race to remember. But this is absolutely gobsmacking. He hasn't even hit the brake yet. It's gone crazy at the top of the hill. What an off-the-scale car race. G'day, I'm Dan Hollihan. Welcome to my motorsports podcast, On the Couch with Hawley. Brought to you by Sweet Black, creating success with people. Welcome to part two of my interview with former NASCAR driver Tony Southwell. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen now. Let's continue my chat with the colourful Tony Southwell. And we're back with part two of On the Couch with Hulu with Tony Southwell. Tony, we were talking about Bob Jane before last week on um on your on your recent episode. Now we're talking about part two of that story with Bob Jane and the Gold Coast race. Yeah, that Gold Coast race, it was actually the second Gold Coast race that I, that I was a part of. So it was the third race mm. up there. The whole weekend was, was there's so much went on. First of all, I, I was saying that this businessman who I was working for, very well-respected businessman and a very well-respected guy in the racing community, had offered to take my car up, and along with the car that he was the majority owner of. And when we arrived, we unloaded, and the owner or the driver and part owner of that car, his wife came and approached me with a bill for $1,400 for bringing my car to Surface Paradise in the owner of their car's truck. But mm. he, he, this, this driver was charging me. Mm. It was an invoice written out to his his yeah, business, yeah, and I just looked. I took it off his wife, and I looked at it, and I said, "What's this?" She said, "Oh, that's a bill for bringing your car up." And I said, "Okay, I'll just give this to the owner of the business mm. and ask him about it." Mm. And she just grabbed it back off me and and took it and walked away. Mm. They were just trying to steal money off me. Mm. This guy and his missus just tried to steal fourteen hundred dollars off me mm. by pretending that. They had a right to charge me mm. for my car being in the same truck that their. That yeah. was the only thing. My truck, my car was in the same truck that their yeah. truck car yeah. was in, because they didn't own the truck. Mm. This guy was the guy you're racing against, weren't you? Or, yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the guys who raced in the. Like years later, this same guy and his wife ripped off hundreds of people in the motorsport and, and motor um, mm. industry. Yeah, with a with a a. Um, a pyramid scam called uh, was oh, a jet, jet yeah. airline seat yeah, thing, yeah, where yeah. they, where you bought seats on the airline, and as as more people bought, they pushed your seat to the front, mm. and as as you push someone out, you took their money, and when you get to the front, you take the, all the money from the people in the plane. Yeah, right. But what happened was this guy, not only was the the pyramid thing a scam, mm. he was actually had pretend people in the seats. Yep. So he would have Bill Smith in, in this seat and mm. Bob whatever in that seat. Yeah. So you thought there were other people who had bought in, but it, they, they weren't. They were just him. Yeah. So when that person got there, he was getting all the money. Yeah. And they bought new utes and they bought uh, got a shop for his missus and they got a shop for him. Oh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. And um, so, yeah, this is the sort of people that they were, you know, he, he, and it like it goes on for years, like him initially trying to steal from me at that track, mm. 
and then years later ripping everyone off. With, and there's still people out there now mm. who were hurt badly mm. by him with this pyramid scheme, hurt really badly. Yeah. You know, people lost their businesses, lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Do mm. uh, you know if he went to jail? No, 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 no. He's still out there. He's got a very, very low profile in the motor yeah. industry now. You don't see him at racetracks. He keeps his head down because mm. there's people out there that still really want a piece of him. Mm. A guy in, in Queanbeyan, actually, a motor dealer who had a very high reputation in Canberra, uh, selling cars and had a big a big motor, motor, new car dealership, mm. nearly got ran out of Queanbeyan because he got sucked into it and he was selling seats on the plane mm. for, this, for these people. But it was a terrible thing and... Um, Lots of people were, were stung very badly. Mm. But it just sort of goes to the character of these people when that happened and then you look back a few years ago when they just tried to steal money from me at the racetrack. Mm. So, you know, that's who they were, just scumbags. Yeah. Can you tell me your relationship? You had a huge, huge relationship and friendship with Bob Jane. Hang on, we have to... Oh, f- oh. There's more about that weekend. Oh, okay. so we'll get yeah. that weekend. Right. So after that... Mm. I go, I, I've picked up a really big sponsor. Yeah. $10,000 yep. for the weekend. But Gold Coast race meeting was great because you got to pick up, there was sponsorship available, it was mm. national, it was on Channel 9, yep. televised, it was the commentators were um, Eastlake and... and uh, oh, Daryl Eastlake was commentator, yeah. Yeah, and um, what's his name, the bike racer? That oh, died. Wayne Gardner. No, no. no. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you about Oh, Daryl Beattie. No, no, the no. one that died, the Pommy. Uh, oh, Barry Sheen. Barry Sheen. Barry uh, Sheen called me a cunt. On yeah, right. On national television, yeah. Yeah, okay. It was really funny. Um, so, so yeah, I, I have to go to this really large automotive um, business to pick up my mm. sponsorship check, I, I imagined. Mm. And they wanted me to drop off some T-shirts. Mm. I had T-shirts printed for the race meeting and had their name on them. So, because they were going to come to the track and... All that sort of stuff. So I went there and I had a big bag of shirts. When I get there, I go, you know, I meet, a, meet some people at the front office. The owner um, and his wife weren't there, but I was directed into the back office. I go in the back office and there's a stunning mm. girl there, mm. young, 19, I think she was, mm. and she's the daughter. Mm. She hands me an envelope with $10,000 cash in it. Mm. She said, Dad said to give you this. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. And she said, um, I hear, here are the shirts. She said, is it one to fit me? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll grab, grab, just grab what you need. Mm. Next minute she pulls her top off mm. in front of me and she's got nothing on underneath it and puts one of my shirts on. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and she, and I'm going, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. And then she says, what are you doing for the rest of the day? Yeah. And I said, I'm just going to be running around sorting out all my stuff. Yeah. And she said, can I come? I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I go to the racetrack and by this time my crew had arrived and Peter Masters and his wife were there and Tracy, Tracy mm. sees me turn up with this girl. Yeah. Fuck. Because <laughs> she knew what I was like and mm. she was filthy. Yeah. And she let it be known how filthy she was. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I make up some excuse to go back to my room and and I don't think I don't really don't think the sponsors ten thousand dollars. I don't think he was paying me to fuck his daughter, but that's mm. what it appeared to be in the end. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> oh no, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, she hung out the whole weekend, and we had a great time. It was a great race meeting. Um, 
we there was this this fucking chutch turned up there mm. to race. Mm. Now this guy had a, a a small racing history, racing much lighter cars in a different class altogether. I really didn't know anything about him, but he had turned up there like he had everything. The car was painted really flash, all fluoro. It looked the fucking guts, and but he had no, no idea what he was doing. Like driving a thirty five hundred pound stock car is hard, mm. especially on the Gold Coast. Yes, and yeah. it's not like anything you've ever driven before. Mm. He had everything wrong because he didn't have the didn't have a road course racing package. He didn't have the right brakes or the right gearbox. Mm. He just basically had a converted Thunderdome car with. Nothing in it to make it work. Mm. And on the Saturday, he crashed into me and three or four other cars. Mm. And then, because he ran out of brakes after the first lap. So coming into the first chicane for the second time, mm. he tried to stop, couldn't, crashed into all his cars. So Saturday night, the TAFE guys, when they used to be about, when they used to come to race meetings and repair everyone's cars, mm. they used to go to Bathurst, they, all the TAFE guys, and they repaired my car overnight. Mm. Then the second day on the Sunday, he fucking did it again. <laughs> Crashed into everybody and took out fucking everyone's cars. Yeah. So we get back to the fucking pits and I had a go at him. Yeah. Just fucking told him what a fucking goose he was. Yeah. And he took a fucking swing at me. Yeah. Didn't you say there was two dickheads on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is one of them. Yeah. Took okay. a fucking swing at me. Okay. And he... It was taken care of. The swing didn't connect. Anyway, he got a, got called in mm. and fined massively for his behaviour for taking a swing at me. He went and whinged to one of the other drivers about, you know, mm. why he was fined. Yeah. And and he was basically told, you know, you've been here five fucking minutes. Mm. Tony's been here since it started. Been involved since it started. I didn't necessarily race until, until 91. Mm. You can't go, mm. you know, doing that. The very next race at at Calder, he was practicing. He was out there going around and around and around. So I got in my car and I went out, pretty much prepared just to lose my practice session session, session completely, just to make a cunt out of myself. Mm. And I went out and I just got right on his bumper and sat mm. on his fucking bumper for the whole practice session. Mm. When he pulled in, I realised he wasn't driving the car. Mm. He had one of the really good re respected drivers sitting in the car to just feel it out for him. Yeah, right. So I made a whole cunt out of myself to the, yeah. to the wrong guy. But, yeah, and, and then I ended up spinning him out at a race at Eastland Creek Yeah, you know, to, to get back at him. But, yeah, we had some cockheads, but that, that Gold Coast race, a lot went on. But I was, I was really in a bad situation. Mm. My life was really turning to shit, mm. and I was behaving really badly. Mm. You know, I was taking drugs and I was chasing girls and I was drinking and partying and carousing and really not caring about how I behaved or who got run over in the, in the, with mm. my behaviour. And um, people like Tracy Masters, you know, were really good to me because they would put me in the line. Mm. Uh, if I didn't have people like that in my life, you know, it would have been a lot worse. But, yeah, I behaved really badly. But that a lot happened at that race meeting. But yeah. Bob bailing me out of jail was a highlight. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, so Bob, Bob, Bob helped you in your life where you needed him the most, and yeah. he pulled you out of the ditch where you were in. And yeah, he was just—he was just, you know, so um, underspoken. You know, he—he mm. he would tell you if you were wrong. He would tell you if you were a dickhead. 
But that, like that day when he come and come and got me, he didn't say anything to me. Mm. He didn't have to. I knew. Yeah. What he was, what he felt without him saying a word. Mm. But yeah, it was it was good. It was good to have a relationship with him. Mm. And so he helped you a lot, and yeah, and that's that's why you you've loved him and praise him on the. Oh yeah, I state. mean, there were so many races that, I, I, like the first race that I couldn't do. Um, I think it was still in the first th- season because I raced three seasons completely mm. before I started sporadic racing. Three complete seasons, mm. but one race I think it was towards the end of the first season. I just didn't have any money, mm. and I had a commitment to Bob to pay so much money off the money I owed him for the gearbox and engine. Mm. So I went and saw his financial controller, a guy called Mark Duffy, and I went and said to Mark, "I'm not racing." This race meeting, it was, yeah, the April race meeting, so the last race meeting of the year. So I'm not racing this race meeting, but I'm still going to make the payment because it came out of my prize money. Mm. So I said, just because I'm not here doesn't mean you're not getting paid mm. what I owe you. I'm just going to give you the money for that. Mm. And then next minute I get a call. No, it wasn't a call. I got a message. Someone came down and saw me in the garage area and there was nothing, no race meeting on that weekend. I was just down at the track and... I got a message to go and see Mark. Mm. So I went and saw Mark and Mark said to me, Bob said, get your car ready to race. Mm. And I said, I can't race the car, mate. I've got no money. He said, I'm, just, he said, I'm telling you, Bob said, get the car ready to race. I said, what does that fucking mean? Mm. And he said, just get it ready to race. Mm. So then I did that and then I went and saw Bob and he just said the same thing. He said, get ready to race. Mm. So in the end, I raced and Bob didn't charge me for anything. Mm. All my tyres were on the tick. All my fuel was on the tick. Mm. The entry fee was on the tick. Everything, he just gave it to me to race so I could be there. Mm. And he did that for me on more than one occasion. Mm. And I know that he gave other people tyres too, but I don't know how many people he helped to the extent that he helped me, but he helped me a lot Mm. to make sure that I made race meetings. Yeah. What happened at the infamous Adelaide International Raceway? You said that you had a bit of a run in with a bloke. Oh, you? our first race at Adelaide was the se- my second race in the series. Mm. So it was, a, it was a round two of the 1991-92 NASCAR mm. championship. And Rodney Combs won the first race at mm. the Thunderdome in a car owned by Denzel Mead, Denzel and Mary Mead. Yep. Um, and we get to Adelaide and I didn't have an Adelaide setup for my car. So I contacted a guy from Speedway who I knew through Speedway Dirt Track mm. and asked him for some help with what I needed for Adelaide. Mm. So he told me what steering box I needed, what springs I needed, what shocks I needed, mm. um, how to set the car up, what's, what sway bar I needed, all, everything I needed for the car. Yeah. So I had a set of shocks. I bought a set of shocks and had them dynoed. I bought a set of springs. So I bought, I only had one package for Adelaide and that was everything I bought. This guy told me to I bought a steering box he told me to buy, bought a sway bar he told me to buy, did everything that he told me. Mm. Get to Adelaide, everything in the car, we've set it up exactly how we've been told. Car was undrivable, mm. absolutely undrivable, couldn't drive it. So Robin Best said to me, and this is, this is a, you know, a true mm. champion, said to me, what's wrong with your car? And I mm. said, I don't know, I just can't drive it. And I thought I was going to go good at Adelaide because it's a short half mile track with no banking, you know, just a flat speedway yeah. track. 
And he said, what have you got in your car? So I gave him the sheet of paper with what I had in my car. He said, that's never going to fucking work here. That's not, that's not going to... Mm. Well, he said, who fucking told you that? And I said, I told him mm. to go and he said... So he gave me, out of his own gear, mm. he gave me everything I needed for my car. So I went and saw this guy and I said, this cunt. I went and saw this cunt mm. and I said, why the fuck did you... Tell me all that. I spent money I don't fucking have mm. on all this equipment on your fucking say-so. Why would you do that? And he simply replied, why would I help you be, uh, why would I help you be quicker than me, maybe? Mm. Mm. And I'm like, you shouldn't have fucking helped me at all. Yeah. Because you cost me money I don't have. Yeah. So we went out in the race and kicked his ass. Mm. But my car, I got, I got lapped again. Mm. But Rodney Combs... Past me with about 30 laps to go. Everyone came in for tyres except Rodney. Mm. So he had he had um, 70, lap tires, 70 lap old tyres on his car. Mm. My car came to me with the new set of tyres on with 30 laps to go and all of a sudden it was fucking working really well and I f- found myself catching Rodney, who's mm. the leader. I'm, a, I'm, I'm down a lap or maybe two laps, mm. but I'm catching the leader. Mm. So when I catch Rodney... I think, how good is this? Mm. Here's the guy who was my fucking first motorsport fucking hero. Mm. And when I first started going to Speedway, watching Rodney Combs and the no hanky-panky Valvoline Yankees was the, mm. f- you know, that was yeah. the American guy, mm. you know. Mm. So I sat on his ass for the last 30 fucking laps of that race mm. and drove my ass off. There was a couple of times that I probably could have past Rodney or tried to pass him, but I didn't want to wreck him or ruin his day when I wasn't going to win anyway because I was a lap or more down. Mm. So I just decided this is the best place to learn, Mm. sit here behind him. And then when we came around for the end of the race, I pushed him across the start-finish line for him to take the checker flag and win the race. And it was the greatest moment in my racing career you know mm. it's um take away all take away every win i ever had and just give me that race again mm. you know it was just that good and then after the race there's a really great photo of me and rodney straight after the race mm. and because i went running to his garage you know to talk to him about it and he and he was like for the first part of that last run i thought i was racing you for, for position yeah he said <laughs> He said, I was racing so fucking hard because I thought you were going to pass me. Mm. So I didn't realise, because my radios weren't working, I didn't realise until I got a message from my guys on a board mm. that you were lapsed down. Yeah, right. So he thought he was actually racing me, but it was fantastic to race. I only ever had three really good races in those early Thunderdome years. Mm. One was that my first race, which yeah. was a great race. Secondly was the one, that one against Rodney, and third was in the second season when I actually passed Robin Best for mm. a position during the race. Yeah. And he was so excited for me that I'd passed him that he had a, a poster of that of me and him on the track together in that race, a full-size poster print on a board behind his desk and it had written underneath it, Wild Thing Under the Champ. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty cool. So how did the name Wild Thing come about? Um, well, we... We're heading to um, Calder Park for the second race meeting at Calder, mm. which was, um, must have been March maybe, mm. uh, March 91. Mm. And 
we knew that we, I was told, got a message from these guys who brought out a magazine called Rolling Thunder Magazine that, they, that there was a story about me in Rolling Thunder Magazine. So I was pretty fucking excited that someone had... Because, you know, I didn't think anyone had noticed us at all because we were around to find the team in an older car and mm. you know, starting near towards the back. So I didn't think we had any impact on any anything. I didn't think we were noticed. So just when someone said there was a story about me in their magazine, I was excited. So we stopped at every fucking news agent from between Yass and Melbourne to mm. see if it was in the news. And when we got to Holbrook, we, we found it. So yeah. I bought every copy they had in Holbrook, in the Holbrook News Agency. And when we opened up, there's a two-page article and it just says, Wild Thing Arrives. <laughs> and which was so fucking funny because remember I told you in the first episode that mm. I used to sing Wild Thing mm. when I was a young yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really quite funny. So we get to Melbourne, walk into Robin Best's shed and first thing he says is, Here's fucking Wild Thing. Mm. And because he'd seen the article as well. And it just stuck. And then when we get to the to the track, the program had a big two page spread about me as well. Mm. So when they on the Sunday before the race, they would get a bus and they would take all the stars up into the crowd mm. for an autograph session. They had tables set up for everyone to sit at. Yeah. Um, David Maidman, who was one of the guys who worked there, he still works for Kim, I think. Or works for George Elliott, maybe. Mm. Um, he came and got me and said, We want to take you up mm. to the crowd to sign autographs. Yeah. I'm like, Me? Yeah. And it was um, Alan Grice, Kim Jane, um, yeah. Barry Graham. Yep. All, 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 all the, the big, big All shots. the big boys. Yeah. And me. Yeah. And we get up into the crowd, and I'm sitting next to Grice. And everyone's bringing the program to me to sign because I well, my my pictures in the program. And Grice passed me his pen and he goes, he goes, you're you're going to wear yours out, you know. Just made a funny joke about you know me signing so many autographs, yeah. but it was awesome, you know. It was yeah. awesome to for that to happen. So I we did have an impact, you know, and 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 all of a sudden people were liking me, mm. you know, even though I wasn't having success and wasn't running at the front and wasn't didn't have the, a really flash new car. People were really sort of liking the privateer battler, I suppose, and mm. and the character that I might have been, and they were digging it. Mm. And so we had lots of fans, and people were always coming for autographs, and yep. always hanging out, and yeah, it was not, it was good. Yeah. And when we went to Gold, the Gold Coast, right, that first Gold Coast race, a mate of mine printed two hundred t-shirts mm. and two hundred caps. Mm. Two hundred caps are really cheap. With a, just a number seventeen on the front, though, flew orange, and we sold out. We sold every fucking t-shirt and every cap at the gold. Yeah, Coast. right. Did they have back then in the in the merchandise stands? Was it just under one big truck, or did you have your own little? We had our own setup with our cars. Okay, so we'd have a we just had one of those you know gazebos you buy, yeah. and and we'd just be set up. Kind of like the speedway setup in a way. Yeah, was it? yeah. Right. We just have you know Tracy used to sell all the stuff for us, so she just stand there with the. The yep. table with all the merch on it, and people just come and buy it. And yeah. we we sold out with two hundred t-shirts. Yeah, and you were saying with the number seventeen on the cap, how did you actually come to that number? Well, I had no affinity to have that number. I, I had to choose a number, something that I hadn't even thought about. So when I went down, Bob Jane gave me my NASCAR license mm. because you had to pay Fast Track that was owned by Muscle J Brewer at that, that time to get your Speedway license. Mm. 
drive NASCAR or Oscar. And Bob cut Marshall out of making a few bucks. He had to pay Marshall and just gave me mine. Mm. And he just, Ted said to um, uh, Steve Betts' mm. wife who ran the licensing, just give Tony a license. He yeah. doesn't need to do the course. And so that was really cool. So I got my license and then they said, you have to choose a number. Mm. So I said, I wanted the f- number four because mm. I wanted the lowest number I could get. And Bradley Jones had a, a reserve on the four. Yep. So one was taken by um, Jim Richards, mm-hmm. two was Barry Graham, three was Alan Grice, four Bradley had um, a reserve on, mm-hmm. five was Max, six was the Laws Brothers, Yep. seven was Barry Blake, eight um, Bradley had a reserve on as well, mm. nine was um, Tony Howlett, because mm. when Fred's series stopped racing, Tony Howlett took over the number, mm. ten was Nick Girdleston, 11 and 12 were both Robin Best, yep. both those numbers. Um, 13 was no one. Um, 14 was available. 15 was Charlie O'Brien. 16 was Steve Harrington. And then there was 17. So it was 14 or 17 were the only two that mm. were really available. And um, I didn't think really like the look of the, seven, the 14. I, I didn't mm. think it looked good on, uh, as a number on a car. Mm. And... Daryl Waltrip at that time was racing 17 and he was sort of the guy who I was mm. following in NASCAR in America. So I took the 17. Yep. And the, the guys at Calder really wanted me to take the 17 because Dick had been there, Dick Johnson had been there mm. and raced once and they somehow felt that giving his number away was going to upset him. But I doubt yeah. it. I doubt he even fucking noticed. But yeah. So they wanted me to have it. So that's how I got the 17. And, yeah, it was ended up being a good number for me. I really liked having it. Mm. And back then, NASCAR was actually competing with the sup- the supercars, weren't they? Because like they, you had a lot of like talented superstar drivers, as you just mentioned, on the grid. And then they were also competing as well on the other side of around. You know, Speedway well, was trying to take off NASCAR here, but it never actually technically took off like the supercars did because well, back then they were kind of fighting towards well, the two. that first race mm. that I was in, that when we had 56,000 people... Thirteenth uh, of October ninety one, the competing Australian Touring Car Championship round mm. with you know Brock Johnson, Seaton, all those guys. Yeah, they had fourteen hundred. Yeah, fourteen fucking hundred people. Yeah, we had fifty six thousand people. Yeah, so at that moment in time, we really had Australian motorsport by the balls. Yeah, but. After two thousand, after ninety five, when we lost the NASCAR, NASCAR sanctioning, mm. someone dropped the ball, and yep. it wasn't. It was. I think we all have some blame. Mm. I don't think you can blame Call Apart Promotions or Call Apart Motorsport for entirely or anything that Bob did. I think that a lot of us had a lot. There was too many old cars. There was too many drivers, um, myself included, that weren't putting on a good show. Mm. Um, we needed those young guys, you know. Mm. If we had Gary Brazier and Brooke Tacknell and and, and, mm. and some of those guys and also sedan drivers from Speedway all come in with all new cars and all new equipment, mm. you know, we would have – we had we had Dean Wanless and Todd Wanless yep. for a while. So, yeah, we just needed more of those guys mm. with new equipment mm. to come in and really take it to the next level because once – it started to drop off. A lot of the guys just started dropping out because they weren't investing in new cars. Mm. 
Guys like Ian Thomas were great because he brought new cars in every year and brought American drivers over to drive them, and and then his cars would flow on to more people in the series. Like my mm. last car that I raced at the end that I had the success in, it was one of Tomo's cars. Yeah, right. He brought it out and um and Brabham drove it. Yep. And then pulled Brabham out and put Max in it because mm. uh, Brabham was wasn't allowed to be in it, mm. so he only raced one lap and then Max jumped in and Max mm. still won the race, I think. Yeah, did the Aussie guys get it because you were talking about them importing cars to Australia and whatnot? And remember, remember NASCAR they did a special Japanese race. Did many of you guys get invited to that race as well to add yeah, to the field? Yeah, um, the first Japanese race, um, Kim, Terry Wahoon, Neville Lance, Jim Richards, Richards yeah. Um, and someone else, I think. Mm. I think it was five or six went. Mm. And the second race, only Jim Richards went. Yeah, and he, I think he was winning too. At that point. He was going really well. The trouble with him, his deal was uh, that it was a Dick Mitchell-y, um car, a, a Winston West car, and he and Jim just didn't have the horsepower that the Cup guys had. Mm. So he ended up coming seventh or eighth, I think, in that yeah. race. Like yeah. he really held his own, yeah. but he just didn't have enough mumbo in that car yeah. to compete with the cup guys. Yeah, Jim Richards is one of those guys that could essentially drive anything. His old crew chief said to me, he said, when I was looking after Jim's cars, I could send him out in three wheels and he'd drive it. <laughs> he said he would just drive whatever you gave him. Yeah, But he, he, me and Robin Best got him to come and help us before the... First or second IndyCar race, I can't remember. Mm. The one race sort of blends into the next, but mm. I'd never turned right and I'd never changed gears, mm. and either had Robin. Yeah. So we asked Jim, to, would he help us? And he gave up his time and came to the track and taught me and Robin how mm. to road race. Yeah. And he, like I, I'm not sure he gave us a full day or two full days on the mm. national circuit. And it was wonderful. Like I still remember the lessons that he gave us. Mm. You know, he was some of the stuff he taught us. I think the biggest thing that he taught me was about turning in. Yeah. Um, and breaking and turning in. They were mm. the two things that I took away from it more than anything else. Mm. Uh, we were sitting in the car, and he was just going through using your pedals, because speedway drivers, we're, we're left foot breakers. Yeah, yeah. And so he was sort of teaching us how to right foot brake and how to how to use your pedals, how to change gears, and just just station just sitting in the mm. car. And Robin Best, because he was so dry, Robin Best, and he just looked at Jim and he goes, I don't understand, Jim. Mm. And Jim goes, what don't you understand? He goes, three pedals, two feet. <laughs> and, Jim, and Jim just said, fucking speedway drivers. <laughs> but so that's Jim's background too. Yeah, he started. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he in, did. He in did. In New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was fantastic. He, he, and I'm forever grateful to the help that he gave us because it, later on when, when the power tour started and I started racing really well, mm. it was all due to Jim, what he taught me all those years earlier. Mm. That, you know, and the thing that I really dislike, and I think it, well, I'm being punished for something, is mm. that I had success circuit racing, mm. where I I didn't want success circuit racing. I want wanted success on yeah. the oval track. Yeah, you know. And um, but the reason I had success was because of Jim. Mm. And you, you, John Trimble just passed away. We were talking about this off air and a while ago. You actually had something to do with John, didn't you? Yeah. Um, 
It's funny too. Uh, a guy who was in, he was involved with Andrew Harris. Mm. Andrew set up a um, a, tra- a a a race team at Calder mm. in one of the Calder buildings. He set it up a race team. Mm. Uh, I think it was called Nas. Can't remember. Nas no. Track. No, no, Nas no. Track was George's. Oh. It was called. Oh, what was it called? I can't remember yeah. what it was called. Anyway, anyway, he, um, as a part of that deal, he started a. A ride of a lifetime. Mm. John Trimble did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I yeah, think John owned the yeah. car, and Andrew Andrew ran it, or they owned it together. Yep. And they got a car. One of the ride of a lifetime cars was a Falcon car. Had a Falcon body, NASCAR with a Falcon body on it. That a guy called Trevor, not Trevor. His name was Oliver. Mm. Michael Mike Oliver drove in the early days of NASCAR, and he actually. Um, broke a record with it at the um, Yu Yang mm. testing ground, the yep. Ford testing ground. Yeah, yep. He did a 200 mile an hour run in yep. the, this Falcon. Yeah, right. Falcon um, NASCAR. Yep. Anyway, so Andrew and John ended up with the car, and I ended up with a job as a driver for the ride of a lifetime. Mm. I don't know how it happened. Myself and, and another friend driver ended up doing it and one one day we're out there and the gearbox shit itself mm. in the correct change of gearbox so as a thank you for us doing all this mechanical work that we weren't yeah we weren't actually employed to do yeah we all got the whole crew and the drivers all got a night at the daily planet yeah <laughs> and that place is i think that place may have changed names now but john's john's huge and michael trembley's son actually raced too as a gun formula ford race oh okay yeah yeah that's that's awesome about john he was a he was an infamous character in in motorsport in a way with his daily yeah, planet car yeah. and i didn't remember I, his paint scheme and yeah. yeah i didn't really know john um i knew andrew mm. but yeah so we all went to the daily planet for a for a free ride mm. For <laughs> um, so you were, t- you were t- telling me, you know, a while ago that John Sydney was a big part of your career. He he be- he was one of the guys that believed in you. And you he can't. did. Yeah. Um, when my the start of the second season, Dave Handley, who built my engine, great guy, great engine builder, told me my engine because I ran the same engine for the full for full season. Mm. Uh, he told me that it needed to be freshened up, and I said, "I'll do this first race, and then we'll do it." After that, because I'll pick up the prize money for the first race meet and we'll use that to freshen the engine up and I blew the engine up. Mm. Blew it to pieces. Yeah. Um, so uh, Barry Graham then leased me an engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ha- used, used that Barry Graham engine for a couple of race meetings and then John approached me and said that, told me that he, re- he, th- he really, he's watched me race and he really thinks that I he loved the way I, I, I went in turn one, mm. and he said, "I think if you were in a, in, a, in one of my cars, you would win." Mm. And he he offered to give me an engine deal. Mm. Now he was charging five thousand dollars a race meeting for people to rent an engine. Mm. He gave me an engine for a thousand dollars a meeting, mm. Far and, out. and it just stayed in my car. Yep. And the only time it came out was when he freshened it up. Yep. So he got and he gave me Carby. He gave me everything I needed mm. to race and. Just supported me so much. When we went to Adelaide, um, Barry Graham couldn't come to the Adelaide race meeting mm-hmm. and John had both his Valvoline cars there and John tried to put a deal together for me to drive that second Valvoline car. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's pretty it, cool. It, he said, "He said you got to go and got to go and get your hair cut first. You had long hair. He said, go and get your hair cut. <laughs> so I can't have you driving one of my cars with hair.' But it didn't happen. Yeah, but but it was just nice that it was spoke of. Mm. So yeah, John was very good to me and looked after me immensely. We had a we had an incident. We went to race at Eastern Creek the first time the um, NASCAR cars went to Eastern Creek, mm. and uh. They did an inspection on my car mm. and they found that my seatbelts, mm. my, my harness was out of date. Mm. And it was out of date maybe a week. Mm. And the, the guys said, you need to get, the inspectors decided to get, mm. you, know, put, you know, use their massive fucking power trip they're on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to get seatbelts. I couldn't get fucking seatbelts. I couldn't get a, a, a new set. So they said, you can't race unless you get a new set of seatbelts. So mm. we're running around everywhere trying to get them. So I did, in the end, I did, did, I did the wrong thing, mm. but I had no choice. I went to Bob. Yeah. So I went over their heads, which is the wrong thing to do because they're given a job to do. Mm. But I've also got a big investment in having my car and all my guys there to do mm. race, and I'm not going to not race because I don't have a fucking set of seatbelts. Mm. So I went to Bob and I told Bob what was going on mm. and he just said, he said, he goes, just run over the cunts. They try and stop you, just fucking run over them. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I don't think I can do that. He said, look, this is my fucking show. Line up and race your fucking car. Mm. So the guys come and did another inspection and they told me I couldn't use the car beyond my car, which John Sydney owned. Mm. He, and he also owned the engine. Yeah. Now, this was bullshit mm. as far as – it was a really tricked-up carby, mm. but it was bullshit as far as I was concerned. It was they were just trying everything on. So race time on the first race Saturday goes to start. I go barreling down. I haven't got a sticker on my – they wouldn't put, didn't put a sticker on my windscreen and say that I'd pass scrutineering. Mm. I go down thing and then they've got a fucking stop flag up. Yep. I just fucking drive around him and go out on the racetrack. <laughs> come, come down, first warm-up lap. Yep. And they're black flagging me at the fucking thing. Yeah. Come around for the second lap and the black flag's gone. <laughs> Bob's obviously pulled yep. his fucking power and put mm. a stop to it. So we race. I spin out that um, that fucking idiot from mm. uh, the Gold, Gold Coast, Coast race. Yep. I, I'm going into the hairpin. I um just get... You don't think about cameras, mm. you know, television. When mm. you're in a car, you only think about what you're doing. Mm. And I just thought... This is fucking gold. This this cunt's in front of me. I'm going to give. So I just turned him around. Yeah. And off I went. End of the race, I came in and my guys are all clapping me. You know, I don't know what yeah. are you, what are you clapping me for? That and it's been replayed and replayed and replayed on the on the TV. <laughs> on the big screen. Yeah. So um, anyway, what happened was we come in, and I so I get on the radio and I and I say to the guys, a big no no in NASCAR in America and in Australia is the you can't close the garage doors. Mm. Your garage doors have to be open all the time for access for your fans, for your inspectors, for anyone. It's it's open house. Mm. So I said, when I pull in, pull the fucking roller door down and lock the back door mm. and up the bonnet, pull the carby off as fast as you fucking can. Mm. Pull in, up bonnet, I'm out the fucking as quick as I can fucking inspectors are bang 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 on the fucking mm. roller door 
pull the carby off. I go out the back door with the carby and I go running down to the other end of the pits where mm. John Sydney's and mm. where Max and Barry's cars are and give John the carby, mm. go running back down. When I get back down, they're pulling the door up and the inspectors are coming in and the inspectors are going, where's the carburetor? I'm going, fuck if I know. Mm. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... So they really get a bee in their bonnet. Yeah. The guy, John, um, who was the boss of the inspectors, mm. he still, I, don't, I still think he's got a bee in his bonnet because I, I put a comment the other day on a post on one of the Oscar NASCAR groups mm. that he'd put up. Yeah. And I mentioned this little thing to him yeah. and he didn't reply. So I think yeah. he's still cranky about it. He pointed at me and he said, because there's a big, 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 Kerfuffle. Mm. And he said, you'll never fucking race NASCAR again in this country, right? <laughs> Big fucking statement, right? Yeah. So they call to park promotions, yep. hold my points and prize money, mm. Barry Graham's points and prize money, and Max Stumsey's points and prize money. Because, Jesus. because John owns yeah. the Carby. Yeah, right. So they call a meeting, an urgent meeting in Calder, for and we all have to attend. Mm. Max and Barry didn't, but John had to. Mm. And I'm th- I was really upset because thought John's going to be so pissed off with me because something I've they got to shoot to me is affecting him. Mm. So they send the carby away to someone else for analysis. Mm. Carby comes back, and Bob's got the carby. And we go to this meeting, and this John uh, guy, who's the inspector, another inspector's there. Barry Graham's there, Bob Jane's there, and myself. Yeah. And Al Basnight is there. And Bob has got the carby mm. with a report and he hands it to John, the inspector, and the report says the carby's legal. Yeah. <laughs> and Bob just says, end of meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we got our points of prize money and it was all over and done with. But yeah, they they had the shits with me big time mm. over it. So yeah, there was lots of that sort of. But see, they were so. I'll, I'll give you an instance. We went to we went to might have been the third race at uh, at Indy. Mm. I, my car got knocked back mm. for being an eighth of an inch too low in mm. the in the roof height. Mm. Right? Jesus, an, yeah, an eighth of an inch too low. Yeah. Brad Jones is in front of me mm. with his car. His front wheels are fucking two inches out the top top of the guards, mm. each fucking side, mm. and and like and with the with the mm. camber that's on them, mm. the obviously the bottoms. His track was four inches fucking wider wider at the front than mm. than legal. Mm. Bradley goes through yeah. with that on yeah. his front end. I get pinged for my fucking car being an eighth of an inch low. Yeah. So that was that was a bit of the. Bullshit that went on, you know. If mm. you were one of the boys that the inspectors liked, liked and yeah, well, you know, nothing yeah. against Bradley. I mean, Bradley was a great. You know, yeah. Bradley was hard to get to know, and I, I really didn't have a relationship with him. But fucking cunt could drive. Mm. You know, yeah. you, he's. Um, I hate the term underrated because Peter just says, says I don't like the connotations, but I don't. I don't think Australia motorsport realise. Just how fucking good he he was, mm. you know that race that him and Craig Lowndes when they came second at Bathurst, mm. 
fuck me dead. Mm. What a drive from Bradley. Yeah. You know, and, he, and he was pretty much unbeatable in the Oz, Ozcast. Mm. Now, that guy, had, you know, that, that partnership him and his brother had was mm. gold. Mm. You know, Kim just knew, understood the rules, mm. understood his way around the rules, could m- make a car work, and Bradley could just drive the fucking wheels off anything. Mm. Mm. Uh, incredible, incredible combination, him and his brother. Mm. And they've got now a trick set up in, into the supercar world. Yeah, yeah, and as you said, they're closed off. They've always stayed. They're very loyal. They stay in the Albury community and yeah. do their own thing and just turn up to the race so I can race. Really, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's what they always did at Caller too. You know, he was, yeah, he. They really had a good thing going, and but but that's the sort of thing that did happen down there. You know, with that because Brad, someone like Bradley was a bit untouchable. Mm. You know, they had the money, they had the had the package, and you know, they had a great relationship with. Called a park, mm. so they, they were. I think that the the hierarchy of the uh, guys who were checking the cars would let things through because they just didn't want to deal with the drama. Mm. But someone like me comes through, who's there by the skin of his fucking teeth. Mm. You know, oh, your car's a bit low. Go and fix your, you know. And yeah. if you wind your car up, you're changing everything. Mm. And Rodney Combs taught me. A valuable lesson because they did it to him once at Calder, uh, going through inspection before qualifying, that his car was too low, so he got a hammer and hit the roof up. Yeah, right. So I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than change the car, he just fucking smashed the fucking roof up. Yeah, you got to tell me about your Barbagello trip in WA. Oh, uh, Barbagello, um, Barry Blake put a race on over at Barbagello mm. and he promoted it. So he yep. was really the only other guy who ever promoted a a race for those cars outside of Bob. Yeah. Um, he was put under a lot of um, pressure from Bob. Uh, he made Barry pay the prize money into a trust account up front to make sure we all got paid. Mm-hmm. We all got paid a flat fee. I think we all got $5,000 to go over there. Yeah. So that we, there, there was no prize money, mm. you know, like ladder of prize money. I think we all got the same money. Yeah. And um, Barry did a um, you know great job as a promoter for someone who's not a promoter. Mm. You know he uh, had radio and television. He spent a lot of money, and and it cost him a lot of money. You know he mm. it took him years to pay it off, mm. and he ended up, ended up in court with NASCAR. Jesus, yeah, in America, NASCAR Australia, or NASCAR, NASCAR America? America. Wow, yeah, um, all over the use of the name. Yep. See, we lost NASCAR in '95. But continued to illegally use the name right mm. through pretty much till the end. We, even though it, it became the Australian Stock Car Championship, mm. um, you know, on the program it still said the word NASCAR and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And people, we, you know, we st- <laughs> the promotion arm of Calder would still slip the word in, so everyone thought we were still NASCAR. But we like Barry Graham is the last official Australian NASCAR champion. Mm. So there's only Robin Best, mm-hmm. twice, two two mm-hmm. times. George Elliott, um, Max Dumsey, and Barry Graham. Yep. They're the only real Australian NASCAR champions. Mm. You know, Kim Kim won four or five on him, himself. So I don't think they take anything away from Kim. It's still the same place, same cars, same rules. Mm. It just wasn't. We didn't yeah. have sanctioning anymore. Yeah. 
and that's when things sort of started to drop off. But Barbagallo was fun. I spent more time in the fucking sand than on the racetrack. Mm. Still ran well, and I was. Uh, I, someone shared an article recently from back then that I'd forgotten about, and it's got a photo of my car, and uh, I think it was the second race in my new car. Mm. And so someone shared an article, and it's a write-up. is very favourable about how I went at that race meeting. We blew an engine up. I had to buy an engine mm. off, um, what's his name? Melbourne's cheapest cars? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie Albanica. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I had to buy an engine off him at the racetrack. Mm. Um, so I bought an engine off him uh, to, to race because we, we broke one. Someone mm. sabotaged my car. Yeah, right. Wow. D- during the night, yeah. Holy smokes. We got to the racetrack on... Either Friday or Saturday, mm. and someone had been into my shed and wound all my weight jacks and changed all the setup on my car overnight. Holy smokes. Yeah. This is in Barbagello, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That was a bit bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, we, um, oh, we had fucking, because I had some support categories, local support categories, mm. and one of them was like an old series of sports sedans or something. Mm. And there was a Mini Cooper S, mm. and when you go over the back chute, you can't mm. go over a big hill at Barbagallo. Yeah. And I'm full noise in this fucking 3,500-pound fucking stock car doing, I don't know, 150 or 60 miles an hour, and there's a fucking Mini Cooper S mm. right in front of me on the same track doing 70 miles an hour. And yeah, then he right. ran over the fucking thing because <laughs> they had open practice and all the cars yeah, were on there together. Yeah, right. But... uh. My yeah, every time I'd go down that fucking big straight down towards the sand trap, I ended up in it. Mm. You got to tell me your, your time that you had a bit of a run in with Russell Ingle at the Thunderdome, or something. Oh, it wasn't a run in; it was really it? fun. He was driving my car, the yep. car that I ended up buying. Scott Williams owned the car at the time. Yeah, you Scott, and Scott are quite close, aren't you? Yeah, we're good yep. mates. He yep. he's um he start he he sign rate my car from the second meeting. Mm. Scott First Williams meeting, did. Yeah. Yep. And sign so rate it for every single meeting from then on until right through the power tour. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was a kid when the Thunderdome first, when he first started mm-hmm. working on for Ian Thomas as a crew member. Mm. And he's, he came down and sign rate all the cars and then he got him to do mine. Anyway, so he had he bought that car off, off Ian Thomas. Yep. Ian Thomas is someone who deserves a fucking lot of credit. I never realised that when we were racing at the time, how important he was, mm. you know. And But now, all these years later, and looking back, he was really important to our series. And if we had three or four more like him, we'd probably still be going. Yeah. You know, he was very important. Anyway, so Scott had that, and he had Russell driving the car. And Russell didn't know me from fucking Adam. I was just, I was sponsoring the car, so it was the Fireworks King yeah, yeah. on the car. And... Uh, I saw him standing next to a transporter and he was talking to Michelle. Mm. And so this is 1999. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 90, yeah, 1999 it must have yep. been. Oh, no, it might be earlier than that. Yeah, not, no, it must be 99 because me mm. and Michelle were together. Mm. And I thought, oh, here's a fucking golden opportunity. Yeah. So uh, me and Russell had met, but he mm. didn't know me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Michelle's, you know, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And you know, bikini model and, and yeah. all, all that comes with that. You know, she's yeah. re- really beautiful. So I walk over really sternly mm. 
to Russell and Michelle, and I look at Russell right, and I walk right through his face, and go, "What the fuck's going on here?" <laughs> and he just, and I just bunged yeah, the yeah. jealous boyfriend on, and he fucking shit his pants. Yeah, like he might not admit yeah, it now, yeah. but he fucking shit his pants. He's going, he's like, "No, no, 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 nothing, nothing. We're just talking, we're just talking." And then yeah. I just grabbed him on the shoulder and said, "Oh, mate, I'm just fucking pulling your chain," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got another good story about Russell. Is we went, went to Bathurst and we raced Bathurst mm. prior to that, and uh, and won with mm. the car at Bathurst, uh, beating Kim. And he did three nineteen down Conrod, mm. which is the fastest ever sedan. Yep. Uh, with the John had the John Sydney engine, and that same year, Glenn Seaton did three oh four in the supercar. supercar yeah. Which was still John Sydney engine, so the fastest, fastest supercar. Mm. Um, Larry, how, many how many times did the NASCARs race at Bathurst? Twice, twice. Okay. Uh, Larry Perkins put a bigger time up than than uh, Seaton's, but he mm. was he was tricking the computer. He had a in the computer. He said he had a different diff ratio in than he actually had. Yeah, so right. He, was, he tricked it to say he went to yeah. I think three three oh nine or something, but he didn't do that. Yeah. Seaton three oh four was real. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we did the Bathurst thing, which was really great, and we and that was mm. then after Bathurst, I um, after that race at Calder where I had a go at him, we won. I bought the car off Scott, yep, and took it back to Canberra. We resprayed it. Scott come up to Canberra and all sign read it, and a to totally fireworks king now with a one eight hundred I'm king down the sides and the whole whole box and dice, and we go to test at Calder for the first time and this is mm. the first time I'm going to drive this car at Calder and our engineer um, who's no longer with us really good bloke uh, funny as fuck the, well, he's if, if you remember that fucking Charlie Sheen show Two um, and a Half Men Two and a Half Men with yeah. the clothes well this is this guy yeah right really good looking wears those really those, yeah, the shorts yeah, yeah. And, the, and fucking women all over him you know yeah so we go there to practice, and I'm fast mm. in the car, really fast. And we come in, and we're, we're just sort of debriefing on how I'm going in the car. There's a bit of water running down the track from some rain that's coming out of the ground above, and every time I went through the water, you know, the car would slip on the water, and I, and I just didn't worry about it. I'm just into it flat out. And he says to me, I just had a good conversation with Rusty mm. and talking about Russell Engel, and I said, oh, yeah, what? He said, he rang to see how you were going. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, what did you say? He said, I said to him, well, he's fucking quicker than you were. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really good because, I mean, Russell never really was that great on the Thunderdome. You know, he, he did good. He was, you know, obviously up there. Mm. But uh, he didn't – that sort of racing isn't what he does. He's obviously really good at the circuit racing. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. He proved that at Bathurst in the – yeah, the Bathurst in, 1000. Yeah, well, he proved yeah. that in our car too yeah. you know, by winning that race so convincingly from Kim. Yeah. I mean, Kim put it to him. It, it, it's a shame that our car didn't have Kim's engine mm. because uh, Russell's entry speed into mm. onto the Conrod yeah. was four or five kilometres an hour faster than Kim's entry speed because mm. of Russell's driving, you know, yeah, how he got yeah. onto that. But Kim was would catch Russell almost in top speed by the time we got to the bottom. Mm. So 
if Russell had that engine mm. with the entry speed and the extra acceleration, he probably would have topped, you know, 325 or mm. something like that. So, yeah, he, it would have been a big difference. Mm. Yeah, um, so you, you were talk, talking about before about the power tool. Can you explain more about that? Well, power tool came about, we had an emergency meeting at Calder Park for whether, you know, the future of mm. NASCAR. And Bob Jane, you know, he had that thing where garage cock pullers, mm. you know, for guys who own racing cars and it's just to fucking pull their cocks over and say I'm a fucking racing car driver. Yeah. And there's fucking lots of them. Mm. And so he said, all right, I want to see where your money is. Yep. I'll put on another race and another, another series if – you or all you guys put $5,000 each in to guarantee you're going to fucking be here. Yeah. And I said, all right. So I got a call from one driver who asked, who, who asked me would I put his money in mm. and from another guy asking if I would put his money in. So I put in money for two cars for me and two other drivers. Mm. And all these other drivers said they were going to do it, they were going to do it. In the end, I think there was only, out of the 26 or 27 guys who said yes, they wanted to do it, I think there was only a total of 13 or 14 lots of 5,000, and, and four of them came from me. Yeah. So all these guys were just full of fucking shit. Yeah. And they all said they wanted to do it, but none of them were going to put the fucking money. And I can fucking name the cunts who didn't put the money up. Mm. I'm not going to, but I. Uh, but they know who they are. Mm. They were full of fucking shit. They all said they wanted to be. They all put the pressure on Bob to put the event on. He said, okay, I'll do it, but you guys have got to put $5,000 up. We're going to lose the money. We're going to mm. get it back. Yeah. But you've got to put $5,000 up as an assurity that you're yeah, going to like fucking race. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you actually help a, a rookie as well get into the sport and you never saw your money as well? There was a story about no, that. No, no, that, no. Oh. What happened was a guy bought a really good car for the last – the la- well, we didn't know. We didn't know it was going to be the last race, mm. the Thunderdome. A guy bought a, re- a, a friend um, of mine. He's not a friend anymore. His views are don't align with mine. Mm. Um, he needed some money after he bought this car to make the meeting. I don't know whether he needed the money to pay for the rest of the car or needed the money to run the meeting. But anyway, he needed some money, so I gave him the money and to race the race meeting, and then never saw it. Mm. And I and he justified not giving it back to me mm. somehow. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know? yeah. yeah. And it, and I and I couldn't bother fucking arguing. I just said, "Yeah, right, or whatever." Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's just disappointing, you know, that people, the people do that. Mm. You know, he needed my help, mm. and th- and this is someone who'd helped me in the past. Mm. So you know, I really appreciated the help I'd got from him in the past. Yeah, but it wasn't a two way street, you know. I I helped him mm. when he needed it because he'd helped me in the past but then he didn't fucking re- give the money back mm. which fucking pissed me off mm. but the power tour came about because of the failure of that meeting to with Bob mm. so this really good guy called Nick Ebbick and he and his his friend who worked with him called um, Paul uh, Paul French mm. sorry Paul French yeah. um, they got together and they started this thing called the power tour which was the trucks uh, NASCAR's. NASCAR cars and another... Was it Formula Fords or something like that? or 
Uh, no, there was another tin top series. I'm not sure what, what they were. Yeah. And there might have been Formula Fords as well. Mm. Not sure. Anyway, there was a few different things. Yeah. Entertaining classes, really. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. it was good. Yeah, and, um, so, yeah. And they got book tracks. They got a television deal um, with um, Speed mm. Channel. Yeah, Not yeah. Speed Channel. Oh. What was it called? That, um, yeah, it was Speed Channel, which they had their own. Yeah, that Speed had Speed was their, the, the whole motorsport channel. Yeah, but there was a motorsport show. Oh, RPM? No. No? I can't remember. Anyway, through yeah. that. So that we had production and we had all that stuff. So it was really well put together. Mm. We raced for two and a half seasons, I think. Yeah. Oh, Speed Week. Was speed, it on speed Week, week? yeah. It was there on we Speed go. Week, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they put it together and it was really run well. The first meeting we had was at Malala in Adelaide. Yep. And myself and Andrew Medecki and George Elliott were the fastest. Mm. Uh, I think George won that meeting and Andrew came second, I came third. Dick Howe was also... Dick Howe was someone else who no one really gave enough credit to as what a really good fucking driver. He's an old Speedway guy, but fuck the guy can drive. I think he's still driving. I think he's driving mm. Porsches or something now. Yeah, right. he's He was a really good driver. Um, well, we had some fucking gumpies in that. In that mm. series too, you know, we had mm. a guy called Nigel Benson mm. from um, who raced Oscar for a while. Mm. Mate, that guy just spent all his time mowing mowing the lawns around the racetracks, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and Bob Middleton was there with his cars. Bob, uh, you know, nice mm. guy. That's mm. what I'll say about Bob. Um, and good cars. Mm. And so he had Andrew Medecki driving one, and he drove sometimes. Then he had another guy, young guy called Chris Templeton. Mm who was an up-and-comer who thought he was going to be the next big thing, you know, international yeah, yeah. Australian driver. Um, so, yeah, so we went to that first one. And the first one was a bit set up. We, we staged a lot of the race, you know, passing and letting, mm. other, letting other people pass us and stuff to make it look good for television. We really, you know, staged yeah. it up, that first one. But that was the only one that was staged. From then on, we raced. Yeah. And... And I was, and I drove really well. We we'd spent a lot of money on my car in mm. developing my car. We had really good brakes. Um, we had a recirculating brake system, which is illegal, mm. but I think a few of the teams had it who, who understood how to make it work. Yeah, but just meant you always had you always had a full pedal. Yeah. So every time you put your foot on the brake and took it off, mm. the, the brakes, the whole system recirculated. So it didn't matter as your pads wore down, you didn't lose pedal. Yeah. So you you got no knockoff. Yeah. So every time you pumped the brake, you had a f full pedal for the whole yeah. race. Um, so we had really good brakes. So that we raced uh, one. One of the highlight meetings was at, at Oran Park. Um, Andrew was obviously so fast. He was such a he's such a great driver and such a great bloke. Mm. I went out the first race of the day. My car was just unbeatable. Mm. And I was a half a lap ahead of Andrew and George fighting for second mm. and everyone else behind. Mm. And one lap from the finish line, my engine blew mm. and I just pulled into the garages and, and Andrew won mm. the race. So we changed engines through uh, between races. Mm -hmm. When the next race started, I had to start last because yep. I finished last in the one where the engine blew up. And I passed the whole field pretty much before turn one. Mm. And then coming through turn two, 
my steering wheel came off. I didn't put my steering wheel on properly when we yeah. started the this race. This is Oran Park. Oran Park, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So I had to stop the car completely, mm-hmm. put my steering wheel back on, and by this time the whole field had passed me again, and off I went again, and I managed to pass everyone in the field except for Andrew yeah. and came second. Now, if my steering wheel hadn't come off, I reckon I would have got Andrew that day. Mm. Might not have, but I think I would have. So I came second and um, sort of really let Andrew know that there was someone there that could race him. Could race him. Yeah. And then we went to um, Queensland Raceway mm-hmm. and I qualified on pole mm. and Andrew went out for one last bash to mm. see if he could knock me off pole. Put a new set of tyres on and there was about five minutes left on the clock. Peter, my crew chief, and, and Dale, who was my engineer at this stage, Dale Williams, which is Scott's brother, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he told me to go out with Andrew yep. to put him off, you know, to follow yeah, him because yeah, yeah. it's an open practice, open qualifying session. Yep. And I said, no, I'm gonna just going to sit here and let him try and take, beat my time. Yep. And if he does it fair and square, then I'll go out and try and beat his. Mm. And he couldn't, couldn't, didn't get it. So I got, got it. And Andrew came over to me after and he said to me, I left nothing out there. Mm. He said... You got that. You got. You got that time. He said, "That's as uh, everything I had was in that car, and there was no. There's no excuses. The car was perfect." Mm. I'm like, "Wow, you know, <laughs> that's really yeah. cool." Yeah. So then we went out to the race, and it was reverse grid. So yep. I, had start, I had to start last, and I passed the whole field um, within a couple of laps, mm. and then we raced. Then, then basically, Andrew was catching me. He was mm-hmm. past the whole field as well. And it was just me and Andrew. And then coming down the front straight at at um, Queensland Raceway, I know Andrew's a better driver than I am. Mm. I'm under no illusion. He's got so much more experience. So I, I needed to think of how I'm going to beat him. Mm. And the only way I could think of how to beat him was to rely on my brakes. Mm. So coming to the end of that straightaway at Queensland Raceway, all I did was look in the mirror. And when I saw Andrew's nose go, then I did. Yeah. Because I, then I knew that I was braking after him. Yeah. So I was threshold braking. I was just right on, mm. you know, as soon as I saw him, I would brake. And then coming around to second last turn back onto the straight, if I drove like a racing car driver and went out wide and turned in like, mm. like you're meant to do, Andrew would get under me. Mm. You know, he, he's got more experience than me. He, he would get under me. So I thought, I'm going to block his entrance into that turn mm. and drive how you're not meant to drive. Mm. So I just came in close to the corner, braked, and then mm. drove around real sharp around the corner and yep. then just out accelerated him down the straight. And it's really funny because the guy's doing the commentary, which is um, Warren Luff, not Warren Luff, his dad. Oh, Ian Luff. Ian Luffy. Yeah. Luffy's like having a go at my racing, saying, oh, you know, it's Tony's inexperienced. He doesn't know how to turn in properly. You know, he hasn't done any road racing before. He doesn't know what he's doing. But it wasn't my inexperience. It was the fact that I know Andrew's better than me. Mm. And I wasn't going to give him that opening by me, you know, taking yeah. a proper racing line. And it bode well for me in the end because I won the race. Mm. And then Andrew again after the race came over and told me that I mm. beat him. Mm. Which was really good here, and he said to me, "He said you're the best out there." Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, didn't didn't Rusty French and you team up as well? Yeah, stage? Rusty come and drove my second car for a while. Yeah, which was he's such a great guy to to 
me and him and his wife would come to every race meeting mm. and she would make all the food and these wonderful sandwich platters, the flashiest sandwiches you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And um, Rusty would, you know, come and he would, uh, paid me every race meeting for the car and we actually had a one-two finish at Winton mm-hmm. where Rusty won and I came second. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we had some great duels, me and Rusty together, and he was really good to have him. We also had a a Formula One test driver mm. lease my car for a couple of race meetings. Yeah, right. Do you yeah. remember his name or not? Duncan Bain. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pommy guy or French yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. Duncan Bain. Yeah, he raced. He, he, I think he won a race yeah. in one of my cars. Yeah, okay. George Elliott's son Graham rented yeah. the car for a couple of race meetings. Mm. Um, and then the, the very last race for NASCAR stock cars in Australia was at Calder Park on the national circuit, mm. and I had Rodney Crick, mm. great. Driver, yeah, race driver. Yeah, Ronnie Crick, yeah. yeah. His son Cameron's in supercars now. So oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say enough about that weekend. Rodney was a great guy, and he, um, so he drove my second car. Mm-hmm. So we had two fireworks in cars. Uh, he also had some shell sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So we drove, drove those two cars, and, and I just said to him before the race, mate, I know this is my car, but if you're on my road, I'm going to run you over. Yeah, because I'm going to win this race. This is the last race in Australia for these cars, and I'm going to win it. Yeah, and um, it was a great race. We had a great field of cars, mm. some really good cars, and some really good drivers. And a young guy from down in Melbourne who has an exhaust business, I think he um, Neville Neville Healy, mm. maybe he put on a really good show. He would come yeah. from nowhere. He he rented a an ex Alan Grice car and drove it. Yep. And fuck, he was hard. He was hard to beat. He he was one of the guys on that day that really fucking put it to everybody. Mm. So yeah, so we we won that, and um, uh, Rodney came second, mm-hmm. and uh, then and we had a huge fucking celebration after that. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like with the last race finishing up? Like, what was the celebration like, and where'd you party? Was it in? Well, we par- we partied at the track. Yep. Um, there's a picture of me actually doing a donut on my on my Harley outside um, the, mm. the the race garages at Calder. Uh, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, mm. we just partied there and and big time all night. Mm. Me and Rodney did dueling donuts at the start finish line when we came around after we come first and second. Bob Jane was there and he was actually talking to Alan Rourke. Alan Rourke raced um, with us for a while too. Mm. He raced uh, an old an old um, NASCAR car yeah. with us for a few races. He was commentating yep. and he said he was sitting with Bob when when I won and he said that Bob was a bit melancholy saying that you know he wished he'd never given up, given the cars up. Mm. No, he really regretted that we weren't still yeah. doing it. Yeah. It was good that Bob was there, but for that race, because Bob had nothing to do with the race. It was just at, at his track. Yeah. So yeah, that was um that was quite a quite a quite a day. It was a pretty big day for us. Yeah. Big you, party. You were mentioning in your book about like at the study, but you got your family. How'd you meet Michelle? Um, quite funny actually. I was I was living the. Playboy life. Yep. Um, I was going out with a a, a girl who was managing a, a club in Canberra, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, well, actually, I'll tell you about that first. Mm. This is a story about Brad Jones. Yep. And Brad doesn't know this, so yeah. I hope he hears it. 
I was I was at this girl's club, this girl I was going with. I was at her club one one day and I was watching the news and there was a story about Brad and Kim. Mm. It was a little documentary on one of the race shows about Brad and Kim and yep. their success and what they were doing and all about them. And I said, cunt's been kissed on the dick by a pixie. Yeah. And she just laughed. She said, what did you say? Yeah. And I said, I said, he's, I said, he's been kissed on the fucking dick by a pixie. And she said, what does that mean? And I said, well, it just means he's, he's lucky. I said, he's not, not actually lucky. He's yeah. works hard, you know? Yeah. And she's right. Anyway, so I was, I, I was renting a room at a, at a, off a mate who was living with his girlfriend in this house in, in Canberra, in, in Woden. And the, I'm laying there one night and all of a sudden there's someone in my bed. Mm. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's like four o'clock in the morning. And I look and here's my girlfriend who's driven all the way from fucking her place in Queenbeyan. Mm. And she's got like wings on mm. and she's all dressed up in this fucking pixie, pixie outfit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking at her and I'm, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Anyway, so she's fucking come to give me a polish in the middle of the fucking night. Yeah. And when it's all over, I'm like, what the fuck are you meant to be? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. She said, I'm a pixie. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, so that's what it came from, the yeah, Brad Jones. The Brad Jones. So I owe Brad Jones a big thank you for getting, getting me getting a kiss on the dick by a fucking pixie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so... Um, Michelle. So what yeah. happened was, my me and my my partner in the fireworks business. Yeah, we were having. We started a business called Big Boys Toys. Mm -hmm. There's another one now that isn't ours. That wasn't uh, like someone had bought it. It was just another one that started. So same name, Big Boys Toys, and it was going to be everything to do with anything fast. Mm -hmm. So we had a ride car, NASCAR ride car. And all that sort of stuff. And we had a display at the Summonats mm. event in yeah. Canberra. Summonats event, um, you know, it's the biggest. Yeah, 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 it's the biggest, yeah, crazy event Conglomeration of yeah. fucking bogans all in one place at the yeah. one time. If you ever wanted to kill every bogan in Australia, that's where they are on that fucking yeah, day, you know. Yeah, they rip and burnouts all day. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, drinking so, beers. So we had a fucking, we had a... a a display there. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to get two, two models, mm. you know, like, um, you yeah. know, presenters sort of things, girls to be there. Yeah. I've seen the ads. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my mate Ray employed two professional models, mm. which I was a, a totally against because I thought we can get two pretty girls locally mm -hmm. and, half the fucking price or quarter the price and probably fucking have some fun with them or at it, you know? Yeah. And, but he employed two professional models and one of them being Michelle. Yeah. So he asked me to come around to his house to just, and I was really pissed off because mm. it cost us a lot of money because we brought them down from Queensland, had to pay motels, pay to get them down here, $2,000 each for the day or something fucking stupid, you know? It was, so... He asked me to go around to his house to meet these girls. Unbeknownst to me, Michelle was actually one of his best mate's daughters, and this mm. is how it all came about. Yeah. 
we I go around there and his wife had said to Michelle, when Tony gets here, I want you to play up to him yep. and then fucking crush him because he thinks he's you know, yeah, a bit yeah. of a ladies' man. Yeah. And because um, Michelle's 14 years younger than mm. me. So yeah. she, was only, she only just turned 21 then mm. because she turned 21 in November and that's, this, was, this, this was like New Year's. Mm. So, you know, a month later. Two months later. Anyway, um, so yeah, Jean had said this to Michelle. And when I get there, I see these girls and, and you know, like I'm blown away by Michelle. She's so fucking beautiful. And I have to take him to the Salmonat. So I just picked up, we just bought Ray a brand new a Jaguar. Mm-hmm. So I take the girls to the Salmonats and the Jaguar, drop them off at the stall. They'll have to go and do some other stuff. And I hang out with them for a while, and, and I'm really connected with those girls. It's like we really just got on really, really well. Mm. But I wasn't spending the weekend at Summer Nats because I was actually had a bunch of family down from Melbourne. I was going, taking our ski back to the river, and we're going skiing. So I just said, you know, got, you know, spend a bit of time with them, and we swapped phone numbers or whatever. Mm. And for the next eighteen months, me and Michelle just got to know each other. Mm. Like it was it was like old time courting, I suppose. Mm. Like I'd I'd go to Queensland, we'd catch up, we'd go for dinner, or we'd even go to the movies sometimes. Nothing ever happened between us. Mm. Nothing ever close. We even went away some we went to New Zealand together for because I we sold fireworks over there in November for Guy Fawkes. Yeah. So we even went to New Zealand together and nothing nothing happened between us. We mm. just spent a lot of time together and really got to know each other. She she'd been with her um, high school sweethearts from when she mm-hmm. when she was like fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then they they broke up. They actually broke up when we were in New Zealand, mm. and then uh, that was in November. And then the following August, so eighteen months after I'd met her, mm. her and her dad came down to get a pick up a load of fireworks. And when they were leaving, she kissed me goodbye. Mm. And it was like, it was different. Mm. What the fuck? Mm. No. And um, so I rang her and mm. said, what the fuck's going on? And she said, I don't know. Mm. And I said, I'm coming up. So me and a mate of mine, Marty, jumped in my um, car and we drove up there a few days later. Mm. And sort of just started started slow, just spending some time together and seeing each other. And, yeah, and then ended up. Being yeah. together. Married. And do you have, and you've got, is it five kids to get? We've got six kids six all together. Kids, yeah. Me and Michelle have two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But the other kids, um, basically, except for Natalie, Natalie was older. Uh, she's uh, my oldest. Um, but the other three, um, James, Craig and, and Kate, all were all brought up by me and Michelle. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So and then we, me and Michelle had two after that. Mm. And... We were going to talk ages ago about Junior Johnson and his impact on your career, and you're a bit of a, a bit of American, a bit of a back to America for a bit. Yeah, well, Junior was I'd, I'd met through Robin Best because yep. Robin bought all his cars off Junior Johnson, mm. and he's um, you know he's someone who never ran for an Amer- ne- never ran for a NASCAR championship. 
Mm. He won a lot of races, mm. but he never ran a full season. So he's, if he had of, mm. he, you know, he, he, he'd probably be considered one of the greatest ever. You only got to look at his stats of how many races he raced and how many he, he, mm. he won to realise that he was a real force. Yeah, he brought a lot into that. He was, he you know really brought a lot of the big sponsors in. He was the guy who put who put Earnhardt with Childers. Mm, yeah, you know he um he he did a lot of in, in NASCAR, and he was such a normal mm. person. Mm. He he's like Elvis in America. Mm. Like people in Australia who think Elvis Presley is famous in America. Junior Johnson is just as famous as Elvis Presley. Mm. Like every, there's a movie made about him called The Last American Hero. Yeah, right. Jeff Bridges plays yeah. plays Junior Johnson. Junior Johnson. Yeah, okay. So um, the timeline is wrong mm. in the movies, uh, you know, of when he raced and stuff, but the the story's pretty accurate and mm. it's a pretty good movie. You should check it out. Yeah, well. But he um, so he's incredibly famous, but he's also so normal that. He had breakfast every weekday at his house from 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. Mm. for anyone who wanted to turn up. Anyone could just yeah. turn up at his house and he cooked them breakfast. Awesome. So can you imagine doing that for you know, Jimmy Barnes or fucking Dick mm. Johnson or fucking someone in Australia who's famous? Mm. You know, Didn't he help you out with like a little book that you needed? You you were over there and you needed some parts or something. No, I needed a phone number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just finished on the breakfast thing. I remember being there one day and some grey nomads pulled up in their camper Mm. and they were coming. They'd heard this rumour, you know, but no one ever thought it was true. Yeah. And they just pulled up and came in and, you know, they would, and here's Junior cooking breakfast. Yeah. And and you'd you'd go, go there and there'd always be, a half a dozen people, mm. and the and the reason that why he wasn't swamped was because people didn't believe it was true. Mm. They didn't believe you could just turn up at Junior Johnson's house and he was going to cook your feed. Mm. And um, yeah, so I, I wanted Jeff Hammond's phone number. Mm. And anyone who doesn't know Jeff Hammond's a NASCAR commentator, he was Daryl Walter's crew chief, worked for Junior Johnson. He's a very high profile person in the sport. Mm. And not, and he's one of those people who are pretty untouchable. He's mm. so so well known. He's not someone you can just reach out to. Mm. So what happened was Robin Best had bought um, a lot of cars off Junior, mm. and one of the cars that Robin bought was the car that Daryl Waltrip won the very first All Star race in. Yeah, and when Daryl won it, he blew the engine up crossing the start finish line, so they couldn't check the engine. And the car was a real cheater, so NASCAR told Junior never to bring it back to race. Yeah. So he sold that car to Robin, and Robin won the first Australian Championship in it. And uh, Neil Bonnet, who won that very first race in Australia, actually said in the drivers' meeting that Robin had the best car here. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so that was the connection. So what happened was Robin wanted to restore that car and I needed to get a letter of authenticity off Junior Johnson, a letter of authenticity off Daryl Waltrip and a letter off Jeff Hammond. Mm. And I wanted Jeff Hammond to look at some of the details of the car so he could write that letter to say it was the car. Mm. So I said to Junior Johnson, I said, mate, any chance I could get Jeff Hammond's phone number? Mm. And he said, over on my desk, 
there's one as a scribble pad. His number's written on that scribble pad somewhere. Like, real matter of fact, yeah. you know. And, you know, I dare you to try and try, try and get Jeff Hammond's phone number. You right. fucking won't. You, yeah. you just can't do it. So I go over there and I sit down, sit at Junior Johnson's desk and literally fucking everyone's phone number's on his scribble pad. Mm. Everyone who's anyone in motorsport, every fucking driver, yeah, every fucking team owner, Hendrick... Childress, all of Tony Stewart, everyone's fucking phone number is written on his Isn't fucking scribble pad. Yeah, <laughs> they're, like they're all there. Yeah. So I, I, I'm a bit, a bit shocked, and I'm thinking about writing everyone's number down. But I, in the end, I only take, take, take mm. Jeff's number. Yeah. But that's how Junior was. Like it, it, it wasn't important. Mm. People, these people who um, uh, are so famous aren't. They just people yeah so that's and that was his attitude and we went to dinner once in bristol we went to the march race at bristol mm. and we uh had a table and we're having a really nice dinner and a, a fan came over with one of his friends saw us sitting there and wanted to you know obviously say hello to junior mm. and he said excuse me sir can, can I you now say hello? And Junior's mm. like, yeah. Said hello. He said, can I ask you a question? And Junior said, by all means. Mm. And this guy goes, who was the best driver who ever drove, you, who you ever had drive your cars? Mm. And Junior, without batting an eye, he just looked at him and said, I was. <laughs> I was the best driver who ever drove one of my cars. And you know, everyone just laughed. And then Junior said, but besides me, the best driver who ever drove one of my cars, and in my opinion, the best driver to ever drive a stock car, mm. is Daryl Waltrip. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty fucking incredible mm. statement, considering the people who Junior had in his cars. Yeah. To, to openly say that Daryl Waltrip, in his mind, is the greatest driver to ever drive a stock car. Mm. And his younger brother, Michael, started a... We were talking about this um, off-air... He started a pretty trick setup with oh, his race yeah. team, and the way the way he just as you said you said he was like a sponsor magnet at one stage because he knew how to look after them. He knew how to mention them. He knew how to promote his sponsors. He there was nobody better at at it than Michael was. Mm. Like Michael came out to Australia and raced at our first two race meetings. A lot of people don't realize that he came out here and raced. Mm. He's um, and people don't give him any credit for. You know, they're, they're always want to jump on him saying, you know, he, he wasn't any good, blah, blah, blah. There's only 200 people have mm. won a cup race. Yeah. Out of fucking nearly 5,000 people have raced a cup car, mm. only 200 have won a cup race. Yeah. And I don't know whether Michael's won four or six cup races. He won an all-star race. He won two Daytona 500s. Mm. Um, and he, you know, obviously won some truck races. He won one at Daytona. And he, after retiring, came back and won a truck race. Mm. He won a bunch of uh, bush races. He won a championship in, in that, um, I can't remember what that series was called, before mm. um, he, before... The Grand National type of, like, Na Nations Cup type of thing. Yeah, well, they were little four-cylinder cars. Yeah, okay. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I just Yeah. <laughs> but he won a championship. Like, the guy... Yeah. People just, like, want to put shit on, you know, Sissy Mikey. Yeah. But he's a fucking great... He, he the, it, Daryl, um, Dale Earnhardt, mm. 
put him in one of his fucking cars. Yeah. And told him, if you drive my car, you'll win the Daytona 500. And he did. And he fucking did. Yeah. He won it twice. Yeah. So all these fucking garage fucking cock-pulling experts on the fucking internet machine mm. who sit there and bag Mikey, you know, yeah. they fucking, they're idiots because you get in a cup car and go win one. Yeah. Go win as many. Go win two, two Daytona 500s. Yeah. Tony Stewart hasn't even won a fucking Daytona 500. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, and he's he's recognised as one of the greatest, rightly so. Yeah. You know, Mikey, you know, he's, um, and that, that, Michael Walter Racing that he set up, he built in one year mm. what Hendrick built in fucking 30. Mm. You know, that, that team was mighty. Mm. And only for, you know... And he had Dale Jarrett as a teammate too, and then he had Ruderman and yeah. he had Mike, Michael McDowell. Yeah. He had quite a roster of drivers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what's his name that went end up going for two... He's a commentator now. When oh, Clint Boyer, Clint, yeah, Clint Boyer as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was what that was the downfall of Mikey. That, that was essentially yeah. That was the end of it. You know, yeah, Clint's Clint spinning out on purpose. Mm. Allegedly, is what you know mm. brought it all down. Crashgate. Yeah, <laughs> well, but it wasn't actually that that caused the. It wasn't actually that on the track that day mm. that they were fined over. It was an incident with Truex, a conversation over the radio. Yeah. That was the fu- that was that was that was the that was the end of it. Yeah, really. That was what it was. It was a conversation over the radio mm. with Truix, and what had happened was then Michael Mikey lost a major sponsor, and the guy who was funding Mikey wanted out, so it all just imploded. Mm. But it's a real shame because Mikey brought in a, a big powerhouse team mm. that should still exist. Mm. What's your What's your take on? Um the modern day NASCAR. I know we were talking about like the Gen Three, the new the new cars coming out. But what's your take on, you know, the the playoffs, the stage racing, and all that? Do you enjoy that, or do you just prefer the old school? I prefer as myself as a, as a driver myself and a commentator. I prefer just going from start to finish, and finishing that race and going from there. What's your take on the whole? Yeah, me too. But I but I also think that the stage racing really serves a purpose mm. because it brings. A lot of excitement to the end of those. Po- like you would have races in the past, especially speedway races, where guys would just sit at the back and wait till the end for uh, for four hundred fucking laps. Mm. Yeah, because they don't they don't want to risk their car. Yeah, they don't want to race. They don't want they want to be there at the end. Yeah. So now, if they want to get points, mm. stage points to be in the playoffs, yeah. they have to fucking race. Yeah, in those two stages. Yeah. So it's brought that in, which is really good, mm. you know. So I think that's I think that's I, I it was something that needed to happen. Mm. They'll always whinge about it. These hicks always want to whinge about mm. everything, you know. You, have you been over there to America? Yeah, yeah, I've been over there. Yeah, yeah. I went in 2010, 2010 and met Marcus Ambrose and went on like a Aussie okay. NASCAR tour, and it was. Absolutely amazing. Like compared to the supercar stuff that we have here, as you would know yourself, because you've been over a few times. Yeah. Just as you said about Michael Wartrip's setup, I went there. I went to Kyle Busch Motorsports, Chip Ganassi Racing, Penske Racing. Penske's another big team. Yeah. Just the the way that they do their motorsport compared to here is just it's crazy. Yeah. It's so overwhelming. Just as a fan, do you yeah. know what I mean? And Dale Dale Junior, who I kind of helped copy my podcast off, 
he actually turned his old um merchandise area into his podcast yeah. Yeah. into his podcast zone. So it's just crazy that the amount of money that they put into their car racing, the way, the way that they generate sponsors is completely different to us as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. It's just they just know how to create, you know, atmosphere, so yeah. to speak. Do you know what I mean? Well, see, um, in the early days, uh, like here in Australia, we have a th- like a lot of the sponsorship is created over um, merchandise. Mm. Like people sitting at home don't realise that a merchandise sponsorship deal is um, a deal where the sponsor doesn't pay any money. Mm. They just give you the right to use their brand mm. to sell merchandise to create income. Yeah. And we're, I mean, there's a few of those that have happened in Australia over the years, and I suspect there's probably a few of those now. Mm. They don't, people don't like you to know that, but that's how it works. It's like a big brand like, say, Coca-Cola, for instance. Mm. That's a very marketable brand if you're a race team. Yeah. So you go to them and you say, I don't want you to give me any money. Yep. I just want to be able to use your brand on my cars so I can sell merchandise. Yeah. So the, so the sponsor gets free marketing from yeah. you. Yeah. And you get to sell merchandise with their brand all over, which is very saleable. Yeah. So you make money. Yeah. And, and that's, and I, I know one, one in Australia that happened 10 or 15 years ago, a Queensland team had, a, a, that was purely that. And mm. I'm sure there are teams now that are purely that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Red Bull team yep. in America, yep. the NASCAR team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which had was, Casey Kane for a while too. That was one yeah. of those. Yeah. Well, Casey Kane's one of those guys, if he had spent less time worrying about his fucking eyebrows yep. and more time worrying about racing, yeah. he probably would have done a lot better. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the other one is that fucking <laughs> waste of space that won one NASCAR, won, won the Daytona 500 and then didn't what, do What do car? It. I might be able to name. <laughs> he, was driving, he was driving the Wood Brothers 21. Oh, Trevor Bain. Trevor Bain. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All he does is worry about fucking Jesus. Yeah. Jesus this, Jesus that, fucking thank Jesus. Thank fucking Jesus I'm here. Thank fucking Jesus I won. Thank Jesus I... Yeah. Fuck me drunk, mate. Forget about fucking Jesus. He doesn't pay your bills. Yeah. Worry about your fucking racing. Yeah. If I had a fucking race team mm. in NASCAR, mm. I, that would be the first thing I would tell my drivers. You fucking thank Jesus once, mm. you're out. Because yeah. I'm fucking paying the bills. Yeah. The sponsors are fucking paying the bills. When Jesus ante-ups with some fucking money, yeah. you can fucking thank him. Yeah. But until then, you thank your sponsors, your team, and fucking me. Yeah, and that was it. That's Trevor Bain. He's so fucking focused on his fucking Lord and Saviour yeah. that he'll he'll never win another fucking race. Now that he's back in trucks, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, he he's a trucks or, or Xfinity's, Xfinity's back yeah, in Xfinity's now. Yeah, Xfinity's yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's um that that shits me. Yeah, I don't care if you fucking if you love fucking Jesus and you and you're into that into that fucking mm. fairy worshiping shit. That's yeah. fucking fine. Yeah, but. Imaginary friends don't pay your fucking racing bills. Yeah. All right? Yep. They fucking don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fucking shut up about them. Yeah. Thank <laughs> the people that do pay your fucking racing bills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking Trevor Bain. Oh, fucking Jesus. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> you clearly don't like Trevor Bain. <laughs> I just don't like that bullshit. Yeah. Who's who's a favourite ranked, like, drive? Do you, do you love what Kyle Larson did for the last few years where he got fired and then he just came back on the Oh, Kyle Larson is... Um, is amazing. Yeah. What he said was fucking totally wrong. 
He should have been smarter than that. He should have been better educated than to say something like that. Mm. But to blame Australia mm. for him saying that was fucking totally wrong. Yeah. Because he, bl- he said, oh, they say it all the time in Australia, so I thought it was okay. Yeah. That's fucking not no. true. That's yeah. a fucking lie. Yeah. We don't fucking say that at all. No. That's not a fucking American slang word, not an Australian slang word. Yeah, I know. So, you know, to say that he, he heard it all the time down here in the fucking pits in Sprint Car and then he, <coughs> Yeah. And then just goes back home. It, goes back home and says it is mm. fucking crap. Mm. So yeah, if that's bullshit, he should never have said that. But mate, he's he I think we're living in a time where we're witnessing possibly the greatest fucking driver ever. Mm. Mm. Kyle Larson is just crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy good. You know, he is I mean Kyle Bush to me is at the moment, still probably the best the sport's ever seen. Mm. He's my favourite driver. People carry on about his 200 wins can't be compared with Richard Petty's 200 wins. Mm. They're fucking right. They can't be. Mm. Because Richard Petty was bashing up farmers mm. on fucking country tracks on Wednesday nights. Mm. Trophy hunting. Yeah. Oh. Racing against nobody except for Billy Bob and his fucking son. Yeah. In fucking shit cars and Petty had sponsorship and fucking factory cars. Mm. So all those, not all of them, because some of them were against, you know, the Carl Yobros and Yobros mm. and all those early guys, Wood Brothers and guys who had cars in those days. Mm. And they also were racing in some of those big races. But see... All those races in those days were all sanctioned by NASCAR and they're all Grand National races. Mm. So it didn't matter whether you raced on a Wednesday against fucking, like I said, Billy Bob mm. and his fucking brother. Yeah. That was still c- classed as a national fucking series event. Mm. So a lot of those races can't be compared. Kyle Busch raced against in Cup, in Xfinity and in Trucks. And just fucking dominated. Mm. No one's run a hundred, won a hundred fucking races in those fucking Xfinity cars. No one ever fucking will. Yeah. And I don't know how many's got in truck, but I reckon they actually had to change the point system because of him, because of other classes. Well, they had, no, they had to stop the drivers from being able to race as many races as they wanted to in yeah. those series. Yeah. And they did it. They changed the rules twice. Yeah. The Kyle Busch rule. Yeah. It's a, it's called the yeah. Kyle Busch rule. Yeah, I know. You know, because of how many races he was winning. Yeah. They changed it to eight races a year, then they changed it to five. Yeah. Um, and he still comes back and wins. And I reckon <laughs> when he finishes his career, because mm. he, he has said that he has his career goals set. Yeah. And one of them was to win 100 Xfinity races. Yeah. And he's done that, so he stopped racing Xfinity. I think when he finishes his career in Cup, mm-hmm. he's going to go back to trucks and race a full-time year in trucks to win a truck championship. You reckon he's gonna he doesn't have a truck championship. Yeah, that's right. So he, because that wins in every... Yeah, he's, got, he's yeah. Got, already got his finish championships and he's already got two cup championships. Yeah, takes a truck. And, these, and also these fucking monkey fuckers, they, they say that Kyle Busch doesn't deserve that first championship mm. because he missed... Because he broke his leg. Because he missed yeah. whatever, 13 yeah. races or 11 races? Yeah. What don't they understand? He caught. He, he still managed to score more points than everyone else, with mm. eleven less fucking races. Yeah, yeah. He caught the. He caught everyone with eleven less fucking races. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what does that tell you about how good he is? Yeah, 
Yeah. Is, he, is he your is is he the best driver in your opinion in ever in NASCAR? Or, well, see, I, I don't. Or do you do different errors? Well, for me, when I started, when I first got interested, it was Richard Petty, mm-hmm. and then it was Tim Richmond. Tim, I reckon Tim Richmond. Hold, I I totally agree. He's he was so underrated. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're right. He was just a crazy, crazy good driver. Tim Richmond, then Daryl Waltrip, and then Tony Stewart, mm-hmm. and then. Kyle, Kyle Bush. Bush, yeah, they're the ones that that I've always, and then Kyle Larson in the yeah, moment. but <laughs> but you, they always want to judge by championships. Mm-hmm. I judge if you want to judge greatness, you judge by wins. Yeah, because the way you win a championship changes. Yeah, changes all the time. Yeah, but the way you win doesn't. You only win one way. That's by being the first to finish. Mm. So if you Look at wins. That mm. tells you who... Like, th- that top win list. Um, Petty's doesn't count. As far as I'm concerned, his doesn't count. Because yep. it was in an era when it wasn't a part of the modern era. It wasn't a part of anything. It was just a really beginning days. In the modern era, he won fuck all. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He, he won sweet yeah. fuck all. Yeah. In 94, I think, 93. I mean, he's still great. Yeah. He's still a, a huge part. He's still the fucking king, mm. and he's still fucking great, mm. and all those things. But he doesn't have the runs on the board in in when 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 everyone got on equal playing. When everyone had really good cars, and everyone had sponsorship, and everyone had manufacturers, mm. he didn't win any races. Yeah, yeah, he didn't win any. No. The only one prior when yeah. he was the only one with everything. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there'll be hits taken out of me <laughs> by half of the <laughs> the. South. Well, the good thing about this podcast, Tony, is you can actually just talk shit, and not actually see it <laughs> <laughs> on the internet on a screen and read it. You can just say it and you can see it later. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, the uh, the feedback from people that when they see this or li- listen, this will be fantastic, especially yeah. some of those guys. Yeah, what's what's your thoughts on V8 supercars? Because I know you're not really into it, but what's your thought on the Australian motorsport scene? Because you never really okay. wanted to get into even NASCAR in the modern era today, like in that in the community. You just stay away from it and do your own family life, don't you? Well, I don't want to do that. The um, young Zach, what's his name, is doing that. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, that, that that stock car Australia, and that's yeah. great. But it's not what I what I would like to do. You know. I, I, I'm old too. I'm old now. I'm sixty, mm. so my time's over. As far as doing, if I was going to do something, I want to do it real. Mm. That's more of a heritage class for you know, hobby guys, mm. and they they're having fun and it's great. Um, V8 supercars, right? Mm. What's your take on it? <laughs> they fucking ruined it. Yeah. When they changed the cars in '93 or whenever when they went this went to. Yeah, yep. Yeah, sp- yeah, yeah. Went to the, when there was NASCAR and supercars at the at the, at the same time as we were talking. What about happened was uh, the, uh, my engineer on my NASCAR car was the guy, one of the guys who was involved in the geometry on the new Vert supercar series, mm-hmm. on the steering geometry for those cars. Very smart guy. Mm-hmm. Now, go back to the Australian Touring Car Championship. Mm. Those guys went and decided which car they wanted to, to run as per whatever the rules were for the different classes. Yeah. 
and they would go and, get, and then they would bring it home, whether it be a body they bought off the manufacturer or a whole car, and they would build a race car. They would engineer their own race car yep. within the regulations. Mm. And it allowed people like Dick Johnson to build those incredible XD Falcons mm. that were groundbreaking as far as taking it to, you know, the Holden guys and 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 really well put together cars. Mm. Well engineered cars. Mm. And that continued on. You know, like people like Bob Jane and, and Alan Moffat brought professionalism to Australian motorsport. Mm. They're the guys who really made it professional. Mm. And then guy then then the next era of guys, the Dick Johnsons and the Peter Brocks and the and the Larry there was Wayne Gardner in there too. <laughs> Wayne Gardner raced in supercars. Yeah, he raced with yeah. us once too. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anyone so fucking impressed with themselves in my fucking whole life as that guy. Really? Wayne <laughs> yeah. Gardner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he comes into the driver's meeting. He's never sat in one of our cars before. And one of the first, the first question he said was, what's the lap record? <laughs> and he just, and he just, that's it. He, he, he just thought he was going to go out and fucking. And beat everyone. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so, so yeah, got, you know, got Dick and Perkins and, and all that, and Brock and all those guys engineering these wonderful cars. Mm -hmm. Larry Perkins, you know, probably mm -hmm. the greatest. Oh, fantastic engineer. Engineer just, yeah, of all driver. time. Yeah. But you start this very supercar series and the first nail in the coffin, and I, uh, people won't, won't agree with me, was when Motec. Mm -hmm. Once you start adding anything to a car that costs money that isn't making the car race any better, Mm. actually race any better, mm. what's its point? Mm. So they had, they had MoTeC. Then they add fucking more things, then they add more electronics and more fucking data and all this fucking stuff, and they change the car. They shorten the fucking cars up. Then you've got mm. these little fucking short doors on the Commodores mm. to get the fucking wheelbase right, and they start then they go to manufacturing the, that flash new chassis 10 years ago, whatever mm. it was. Yep, yep. Then, then you go back a couple of years to that first Mustang that looked like a fucking Volkswagen. Yeah, <laughs> they bastardized. They'd fucking bastardized these fucking cars to the extent where they can't be fucking fixed. Mm. You put There's a, a fucking, whole lot of error on these cars these days in the city. You put cars. a fucking body on that car that's meant to be a Mustang and it looks like a fucking Volkswagen Beetle. You're doing something fucking wrong. Mm. So all of a sudden you've got these completely fucking over-engineered cars that aren't designed by the race teams, that mm. aren't engineered by the race teams, mm. that are just fucking built to this fucking rule package. It's not a touring car anymore. It's a fucking sports sedan. Yeah. So they need if they want, want it to be successful again, that series, is it still the Australian Touring Car Championship? It's the, just called Supercars. That's all it's called. So it's not days. even that. No. It's not even... It was, see, yeah. So there you go. So so when they say Peter Brock won fucking 10 Bathurst or mm. 9 Bathurst or whatever he won, mm. so how do you count them all? Mm. Was Did he drive in the Supercar era? No, he didn't. Oh, he drove the... Oh, no, it's gone through so many names. It's gone through different uh, different bodies too, a Vesco and So how do, you, how do you yeah. compare apples to oranges? Yeah. How do you say 
one of the I couldn't even tell you who who drives in it now. Mm. But whoever's in it now, if they're being successful, you can't. How do you say? How do you have them both on the same page? Mm. Because they do, don't they? They yeah. say he won, Brock won ten for this yeah. many championships. Dick Johnson won this many championships. Joe Blow in the series now has won fucking this many championships. Mm. It's not the same fucking championship, is it? No, it's not. That's a fucking touring car championship where they were driving mm. touring cars. Yeah. This is a fucking championship where they're driving f- these fucking over-engineered fucking spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a not not the same fucking thing. Yeah. So there has to be a cut-off fucking line saying, this is where the fucking Australian Touring Car Championship fucking ended. Yeah. And this is this is a fucking new series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're we're gonna race these fucking over-engineered fucking buckets of shit mm. that no one gives a fuck about anyway. I'll give you a fucking test. Yeah. Take ten V8 supercar drivers down to Woolies dressed yep. in their civvies. Yep. Stand them outside Woolies selling fucking raffle tickets for the Lions Club or fucking Apex. Yeah. And see how many people fucking recognise any of them. Yeah. No, honestly, yeah. fucking see how many people recognise any of them. Yeah. A few blokes who drink their VB in their shed and watch the V8 supercar races will fucking know who they are. Yep. But that's all. A yeah. very fucking tiny minority of people will even know who they are. Mm. Last year or the year before, because I follow demographics mm. and all this sort of stuff a lot, you know, from when I used to... For promotion response, stuff. Prom- yeah, all yeah. that stuff. So I still follow it. 117,000 people, I think it was year before last, or last year, mm. what watched was the average viewership for a V8 supercar race. Mm. I wouldn't have a clue. 117,000 people. Mm. It's fucking nothing. Yeah. They, 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 they are so low on the Australian sport fucking ladder mm. when you compare all the ball codes mm. and horse racing and fucking everything. The fucking... Dirt track speedway outsell V8 supercars in ticket sales annually. Yeah. Dirt track. Yeah. Speedway. Right? Sprint cars. Real racing. Yeah. That, that's, that outsells it in ticket sales. And people go, oh, yeah, there's more tracks and there's more fucking races. You know why there's more tracks and more fucking races? Why? Because supply and demand. More people want to fucking see it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Were, say, you were saying, like, obviously we're sticking to the promotional subject that – Eastern Creek Speedway, you didn't even know it was on, or you didn't. Even oh no, hear no, it? I, I've been following that a yeah. great deal about that that track being open. I mean, I mean, a seventy, mm. nearly eighty million or ninety million dollar investment by the New South government's fantastic. Mm. Oh, but it's a great the New track. South Wales government made a fucking huge mistake. Mm. They had an, they had a a real fucking opportunity, mm. and they blew it because I've got nothing at all to say bad about the people who are running it because I don't know them. Mm-hmm. I've had no, no relationship with them. Yeah. But the government, the government yeah. should have just employed mm-hmm. a promotion team mm-hmm. to run it mm-hmm. and then given them a budget mm-hmm. to fucking promote the speedway and do it properly. Mm-hmm. Because somewhere in the late 80s or 90s, speedway promotion got lost. Mm-hmm. These guys who are running speedway, they're not promoters. Mm. They're, they're track hirers. Mm. They hire their track out to race teams to run on mm. and then sell tickets to people to watch. Yeah. Because I am a, I put on events, mm-hmm. musical events. Yep. I produce, mm-hmm. promote, 
and book musical events, right? Now, producing an event is being a promoter and putting it on properly and promoting. Do you know, you know, do you know what promoting means? Mm, means getting it out. If you're there. a fucking, if you've got a fucking speedway track, promoting means fucking promoting it, fucking advertising it. That's what promoting is. Yeah. You know, it's it's not fucking having a track. Okay, if I'm putting on a fucking concert or a yeah. festival yeah. and I've got Jimmy Barnes fucking playing, yeah. what would happen if I said, mate, you've got to pay 250 bucks mm. to fucking play at my fucking festival? And, you're, and your fucking band have all got to pay to get in. Yeah. This is what these fucking track promoters are doing. They're charging the fucking the drivers to be there. They're charging the fucking teams to be there. They're charging the driver's wife and kids to fucking come in. Mm. You can't charge the fucking people who are putting on the show to fucking be there. And then they have this thing called 50-50 where they take they sell tickets to the fucking crowd. Yep. And the winner wins 50% of the money that's taken from the crowd. Yep. The other 50% goes to buy the fucking ticket, the the trophies for the sprint car drivers. Mm. So the crowd are buying the fucking sprint car drivers their fucking trophies. Yep. Get fucked. Yeah. What a fucking monkey trying to fuck a football show that is. Yeah. How amateur hour is that when you're asking the crowd yeah. to to fucking buy the tip the trophies for the fucking sprint car teams? Yeah. That's fucking the. That's pathetic. That, yeah. That's fucking pathetic. Yeah, yeah. So, we need promoters. We need people who are going to actually promote. Yeah. That fucking first race at the at the fucking Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah. It was advertised in fucking Facebook. I don't know where. Maybe a couple of fucking papers. It wasn't fucking widely promoted through radio and through fucking television and through all mm. the things it should have been. Mm. And then they'll come back and say, yeah, but. All, this, all of the Speedway community knew. Mm. Fuck the Speedway community. They're coming anyway. Mm. We need to get new fucking blood. We need to be fucking educating new people to come and watch. We need to be creating fucking household names again. Mm. Like in the fucking 70s and 80s and fucking early 90s when fucking David House and Barry Graham and Rodney Combs and John Pine and Grenville Anderson and all these guys were mm. fucking household names. Yeah. Because they were fucking stars and the people who were promoting mm. Speedway promoted them guys as fucking stars. Yeah. Now yep. no one fucking knows who anyone is because no one's promoting. They can't. They're not fucking promote. They're not a promoter's fucking ass. Yeah. They don't know what they're fucking doing. They need to get people involved who have the skills to promote and how to use a budget, and not asking the crowd to buy the fucking trophies. Yeah. Yeah. The fuck is that? Yeah. I <laughs> The fifty-fifty trophy. Fifty percent goes to the winner, and fifty percent buys the trophies for the sprint car. But you're the promoter. You buy the fucking trophies. Yeah. <laughs> I no. hope this goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it fucking pisses me off. They yeah. they just don't know what they're fucking doing. Yeah. So, Vat Supercars, we can fix that easily. Yeah. Just take all those cars and push them into the fucking tip. <laughs> they're yeah. fucking rubbish. Or just yeah. have a museum for them or something. You know, this is this is what happened. Some people <laughs> fucked up in a you know in a bunch of fucking ways, and, and we ended up with this abortion that looks like a fucking Volkswagen, which is you know, and and. So we're sorry, but anyway, you can look at them and laugh now how silly they are. Yep. And go back to being 
an Australian Touring Car Championship. Let yep. the teams pick a car they want to drive. Yep. I know we don't have an Australian car anymore, but we've still got cars out there that, yeah. that we can make sporting and Well, there's race. the TCR series, which is on four-cylinder cars that are currently on the road all the time. Yeah, yeah. But, we, 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 but we can just do that mm. and let the guys engineer their own cars and go yeah. back racing. Let's do what Dick Johnson did. Do what fucking uh, uh, mm. Perkins did. Yeah. All those. Let's do what they, they did again and get a real Australian touring car championship happening again. Yeah. And start bringing some drivers in that don't have to don't have to bring their dad's checkbook. Yep. Let teams build cars again. Mm. Why is there a limit on grid numbers? On grid numbers, mm. there's only what thirty cars or something. Why is that? No, no, there's twenty four, twenty five. Sorry, this year. What, in supercars. Why is it? It's got a. It's it's kind of like the charter system in NASCAR. So they've got the charter system. They've got I think 30, 33 cars or something like that, or thirty five. That's their charter system, and then they've actually got the supercar charter system this time, and they've they've capped it to try and make more money for those current teams. And F one's doing something similar. Yeah, well, yeah. twenty five cars. Fuck. What's yeah. what's the point? Yeah. What's but the fucking point? Exactly. What I was going to say is, you got the Bathurst twelve, not twelve, hour, Bathurst six hour and twelve hour coming up, and they've got seventy cars on the grid for that, and that's just guys building their own cars and making those cars go yeah. and race that that event. That's what it should be all about. Yeah. I mean, they, they really, that's what it should be all about. And it's time that the people who are running this V8 supercar fucking series mm. realise that they have overdeveloped this car to the point where they can't fix it. Yeah. They can't fucking fix it. It's too much aero. It's not a fucking car. Mm. It's a fucking manufactured... It's a fucking sports sedan. Mm. Yeah. And it's 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 just, and they talk about well, let's go to this country. Let's go every fucking country they've gone to. When they went to Dubai, there was one guy fucking cleaning the fucking stands. Mm. You know, walking around with a bucket and a pail. Fucking, he was the fucking crowd. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what's the fucking point? Yeah. No one no one knows it exists. Yeah. You go to fucking America and walk down down the pits. I've been to the States over 30 times, right? Mm, yeah. And been over there with NASCAR. I know a lot of people involved in over there. Mm. But if you walk down there and say, do you know who is who this is and mention yep. a V8 supercar driver, they won't know who any of them are. Tell me who mm. a race car driver, an international race car driver... Mm. Of any real note, a mm. cur- someone who's currently still involved in racing cars, mm. sedan racing, tin top racing, mm. who has come out here to r- race a V8 supercar uh, from uh, outside of outside of our, our country. Yeah, none. Well, not that I can remember. No. Why is that? Because I guess they're not right. They want to race it. No, they don't give a fuck. They don't, most of them don't don't even know it exists. Yeah, and secondly. Where's the where's what's the gain? Mm. There's no there's no as I've had in other podcasts, as as you've said in the NASCAR thing, there's prize money overseas, but in supercars, there's it's a big it's a motorsport Australia's pulling in like a six billion dollar industry, 
but yeah, there's no there's no purse for any of the drivers these days. What you said, which has never been broken since. They hold race. up a fucking pole award check for five hundred fucking dollars. Yeah. How fucking embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking grocery shopping money. Yeah. <laughs> or fuel money these days. <laughs> Look what I won. I can buy me fucking groceries. Yeah. You fucking idiot. That's not a prize. Yeah. That's an embarrassment. Yeah. $500 to be racing at what they consider the top level of Australian motorsport. Mm. For a start, I'll give you the tip. It's not the top level of Australian motorsport. Not even close. Mm. So back to the drivers coming out, no driver of any note who is a current driver in the world of any stature would sit his ass in one. Mm. No one has. Mm. A few retired guys have had a little go that have been paid mm. to come and fucking drive a car. Mm. Paid. Mm. There's got to be something in it. Like who, um, they asked, what's his name, the Australian Formula One driver, Weber. Mark Weber. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Weber or Ricardo. There's a few of them, yeah. They've asked them. Yeah. Well, they've all been very polite. Yeah, the only one to do it was Alan Jones. <coughs> yeah, well, I've got fucking running with that cunt too. But, um, yeah, they, they, do, they, they all very polite, when, you know, when they're asked in an interview, you know, and they've, oh, you know, I know, you know, no, 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 well, I'm busy or, you know, it's not something... But behind the scenes, they're going, oh, fuck, as if. As yeah. if I'm fucking going to do that. Look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> I've raced Formula One. I'm not going to fucking race that fucking thing. Yeah. Then I'll race for 500 bucks. I'll race for a few million. Fucking $500 for a fucking pole. But look at this. <laughs> Mum, go get the groceries. Uh, should you be know, a fuel and, award. Yeah. and they, <laughs> But they, they stand up. They're so fucking proud. And they fucking spruik all this fucking bullshit. All this propaganda that they've convinced their fucking loyal followers that it's the fucking greatest thing since fucking sliced bread. Mm. We're going to go here and we're going to go there. They're fucking not going anywhere. Mm. You know, they're not going to go back to fucking Newcastle. Mm. It was a fucking debacle. No one went. They're not going to go back to Canberra. Nobody fucking went to the fucking race in Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's. If they want it to fucking succeed, can it and start again? And stop pretending it's the same thing mm. as when fucking Dick and Brock Perkins, and yeah. Perkins and all them guys were racing. All those guys, yeah. It's not the fucking same thing. No. It's a fucking different thing. Mm. Alan Jones, I told him in an article once that I, his, he was, when he was driving uh, in that um, blue fucking thing. Yeah, the Komatsu Ford. That was no, the, no, no. The one that pretended to be the Peter Jackson car, but it wasn't. Oh, right, yes, yes, yes. I know what, I know what you're talking yeah, about. And he, fans will know. Yeah, yeah he, uh, I, I, he, he, he rubbished what we were doing in the NASCAR thing and said that we were a bunch of fucking agricultural fucking so-and-sos or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I wrote a fucking great story that, that was in auto action, mm. um, fucking giving, him, giving it to him. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just said that, you know, people like Peter Brock and Dick Johnson and, and, mm. and Glenn Seaton don't fucking rubbish other forms of motorsport. Yeah. And those are guys who actually win races, mm. you know, as opposed to fucking him. Yeah. And and then, and at the end of it, I just said, I thought you were a great Formula One driver, but as far as um, a supercar driver or whatever they're called, then yeah. whatever, I said, your driving is about as exciting as watching a fucking Pope die. <laughs> And yeah. uh, he took great offence to it and come and fucking confronted me at Calder. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted, he wanted to fucking step into me. Did he? Yeah. What happened then? <laughs> uh, just, he, he had two goons with him. Yeah. Yeah. 
long time ago. But yep. yeah, he's um, yeah, people like him that want to fucking rubbish us. Mm. Well, they're going to get fucking rubbish back or rubbish uh, like rubbish in what we were doing. We were really trying to make something happen, yeah, and we went we went close. Yeah, and 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 I'll, I'll admit it, the, the supercar thing killed us because when they went back to the V8 series and they built that new car, mm. the first rendition of that new car was fucking great. Yeah. When they had the VTs and, and all those things, yeah. and they really started kicking on. It was a really good series. had a bunch of good guys in it, and it was and it kicked our asses. Mm. Kicked our asses back to where we come from. When they had the Winfield Triple Challenge and all that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, and, and um, so, uh, you know, that, 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 was the end, that was our down... A part of our downfall mm. was their success. But... Yeah, Alan Jones wanted to give us a, hmm. a flogging for no apparent reason. I mean, he was obviously asked what he thought about what we were doing, hmm. and his comment was that something about us being agricultural. Hmm. Actually, Larry Perkins said a similar thing, but his when he said it, it was a bit off the cuff. You know, he was just having a hmm. a joke. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when Alan Jones said it, he was being being nasty. Hmm. So yeah, no. That's my thoughts on. That's your on, thoughts on supercars. On supercars and, and speedway. <laughs> speedway needs promote promoters, yeah. promoters, people who promote. Yeah. You guys, the guys who have got tracks who are calling yourself promoters, look up what it fucking means. <laughs> because you yeah. don't know what it fucking means. Yeah. You know, you think it's renting the fucking track to people to run their cars around in circles on. Yeah. It's not renting the track. Oh, well, there'll know? be some content in here that should surely go viral. <laughs> <laughs> you can only hope, Tony. <laughs> you can only hope. Oh no, they're gonna fucking hate it, you know. And yeah. I'm gonna get fucking panned from asshole to fucking breakfast time, but I don't fucking care. Yeah. I my criticism comes from a really good place. I want these things to succeed. Yeah. You're passionate. Yeah. Like, I'm, pa- fair, you're I'm passionate. passionate about yeah. Australian motorsport, and I'm passionate about Australian music. Those things. Mm. But my comparison is true. Mm. I couldn't charge Jimmy Barnes. To fucking play at a festival. Mm. Why are you in Speedway charging drivers? Bob Jane did it right. When Bob Jane, I know the crowds are different. Like we we had a lot bigger crowds mm. than you have in Speedway. Yeah. But we didn't pay to come to the races. Mm. We paid an entry fee, which mm. is fair enough because you have to know you're coming. Mm. But what you get back has to be far greater than your entry fee. Mm. And we got all our crew got in for free. Mm-hmm. And our family got in for free. Yeah, and we got because we got ten free passes to give away. Mm-hmm. That's what, and, and we got paid really well. Yeah, if you're doing it right, do you know? Uh, let me explain what, to, to these fucking people what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. If they, you want to sponsor to sponsor your fucking race meeting or your racetrack, yep. Okay. Yep. Take big bobs. Mm. Fucking fizzy cola drink. Yep. The biggest fucking cola drink in the world. Yep. They've got an advertising budget of fucking tens of millions of dollars. Yep. Right? Yep. So Planet X Planet X energy drink is killing it. Yep. Okay. Yep. You don't want them to give you any money. Mm. You want them to tag on your fucking your business. Yep. So they can they can Make some of their ads mm. as a part of your fucking speedway. Mm. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost them anything. Mm. They're still advertising, but they also that what the gain for them is is that their fucking sponsorship is all over your track. Mm. 
So when they're advertising fucking Big Bob yeah. Speedway is fucking Kohler is happening this fucking Saturday night on the racetrack. Yep. Big Bob's is up there. Mm. Big Bob's Kohler. Mm. Speedway. Like how like NASCAR does every race. They have a yeah. different sponsor per race. Big Bob's Kohler is fucking sponsoring the fucking race event. Mm -hmm. Big Bob's Kohler already had that ad. Yeah. They're already going to advertise fucking 10 times on Friday night. Yeah. But now it's got fucking your Speedway at the end of it. Yeah. You don't pay them for that. You just get them to do it. Yep. And and to get them to do it, you say you're going to fucking put it all over your track. Yeah. It doesn't cost you any fucking money. Yeah. You've <laughs> just got to get good promoting people, yep. promoting people mm -hmm. to fucking do that for you. Yep. Hire a company who understand what promoting is mm. and fucking do it. Mm. And stop fucking making your crowd pay for your trophies. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. That's really fucking embarrassing. Yeah. Like the other day, I think they sold fucking six thousand or five thousand dollars worth of fucking tickets, mm. fifty fifty tickets at fucking Parramatta. Yeah. And half of them, half the money, someone won mm. when they drew it, and the other half goes to yeah. a pool for the year to yeah. buy trophies for the. Yeah. Rink. Did you ever race at Parramatta Speedway? No. 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 Okay. No, I never did. Yeah. No, I went a thousand times when I was younger, and I went to. Um, Did you go to the showground? No, I Liverpool? never went to the showground. No, nah, oh, Liverpool. I oh, you went to Liverpool. Oh, absolutely, okay. yeah. yeah. When it was bitumen too. And, yeah, and right. Charlie, when it was bitumen, yeah. Yeah, okay. We never so, really got to touch on that. They were really good days too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I went. To, I, I never raced at those places, but I went there. Mm. But for me, Charlie was the the place, and. and and in those days, sedan racing in Australia was king. Dirt mm. sedan racing was much bigger mm. than sprint cars because sprint cars evolved out of super modifieds. Yeah. And super modifieds, you know, there was – we had guys like Warren Gregg who were super modified drivers that were locally. He was actually a Murren Bateman guy. Mm. And um, and a Barry Guy from Canberra and all those guys who went into the sprint car. Sprint car was getting big, mm. but sedan racing was, was what was huge in Australia. Mm. And somehow it mm. just went away. Mm. I mean, they're still racing them, but you know they're not. It's not um, super sedans at the moment. It's really going through the roof all over Australia. Super mm. sedans are really taking off, mm. and that's what you're doing now. We'll, we'll close off the podcast now. That you're doing. You're doing a bit. You've done a bit of legend cars and and a bit of speedway, haven't you? Like you've I, you no, had the late in, model, didn't you? Or? In 2016, um, a guy offered me an opportunity. Uh, uh, Cole Robertson, mm -hmm. who was a part of Nastrack in America yep. um, with Barry Graham, which became the Richard Petty driving experience. Mm -hmm. He um, also raced NASCAR here a few times and he raced, um, um, he had late models, but he also raced Grand Nationals in Australia. So he's been around and a real, real stalwart of the industry. Yep. He, um, he got actually got sick um, and... After talking to him, he offered me an opportunity to drive his late model, mm. and his he's because um, I was older, mm. and my expertise is in that low traction, high, high horsepower type mm. racing. He offered me that opportunity to race uh, his car, mm. so we tested and had you know, got the car all sign written and did two or three tests, and it was really good. And just as we were about to start, I got sick. Mm. So I got the whole thing got canned. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, I never got to actually race the car, mm. which killed me because that was what 
I always wanted to do from mm. 30 years ago. You know, I never got to do yeah. the thing that I actually wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't want to go to NASCAR. I wanted to race Speedway. And mm. the thing that I always wanted, I never got. So that's really disappointing that I never got to do what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but now I'm sort of at the stage where if I find an opportunity to maybe race a super sedan or a modified production mm -hmm. sedan, which is a really good class, you know, I might do that. Yeah. But uh, I I'd still I still can't shake the itch. Yeah, you still can't shake it. St it's still all there. Yeah, it's I can't still shake the itch. <laughs> still can't. I've still got my steering wheel and and all my all my internal stuff to go in a car. Yeah, yeah. What was in what was in your, your 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 old shed and your new shed? What was what was going from place to place? Do you remember like taking apart? I remember you seeing on social media you were taking apart. Your old place and moving, and it was a whole of a shit show because we were yeah. trying to organise a podcast um, to move it all the way up to Queensland. You left some stuff behind, and you left some essentially you left some memories because you couldn't take it all. Oh well, one of my um, NASCAR cars, the very first car I race, is still in Bowling. It's at my cousin's place. I'm yep. I'm picking that up um, soon to take home. Mm -hmm. Two Zephyr Utes that are parts from my dad's Zephyr. I'm restoring. I've got to take up there. Mm. But most uh, some old stuff got bulldozed into the ground. Mm. Um, yeah, because I just couldn't take everything. And when you're in the same place for 50 years, mm. you just accumulate so much stuff. But I still have a lot of memorabilia. I gave a lot away a few years ago. I gave uh, like a few friends of mine who have got like man caves and mm. whatever. And I actually put a few things on Facebook to give away to people in who are yep. in a motorsport. Some panels and bits and pieces. I, I gave a lot away. Mm. You got you got heaps of fans though still on the internet. Like that's what you pointed to the camera before. But you've got guys creating on computer games your race car. Yeah, that's really in the good. modern era. What do you think of that? I think there's three or four guys now are racing um, variations of my race cars on i racing. Yeah, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, it's a it's quite a um, you know makes you feel pretty good that mm. people want to do that. That's mm. really cool. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoy. They they send me screenshots and stuff of the car, and it's, it's really cool to see yeah. that that's that's being done. Yeah, and your son James, he's been pretty vocal and supported me with my podcast. How's his um, music? How's the music scene been going? From I know it's been on and off since COVID and whatnot, but he's pretty passionate about his music. Oh well, he you, he he's um he started when he was got serious when he was sixteen. He wanted to leave school and be a full time musician. Yeah. And that's what he did. He recorded an album. Mm -hmm. um, the, What's that, the band called? You've it's just a James, just a James Southall band. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, he's he's headlined headlined almost every um, blues music festival in Australia. Mm -hmm. He's had some of the greatest musicians in Australia in his band. Yep. Uh, he's played played for Angry Anderson for a lot of years. Played for Stevie Wright. Yeah. Played for a lot of people. Um, Played played with a lot of people. Shared the stage with some really big names. Mm. Went to America in two thousand and sixteen, and recorded an album um, in uh, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, he that album he had some some of the he recorded started recording the album here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And his drummer in Australia is a guy called Mark Kennedy. And he Mark Kennedy is regarded as the greatest drummer in Australia. He's played with. Everybody mm. um, even played with Ringo Starr, mm. you know, drums together. This guy's played with everyone. So Mark said to said to James, "You're not going to get the sound you want here in Australia. Mm. 
you wanted that you want that New Orleans sound, you're gonna have to go to New Orleans. Yeah. So we went to New Orleans and we recorded an album at a studio called Dockside Studios. Mm. Very famous BB King, Bruce Springsteen, everyone's recorded there. Mm. So he, James went there and recorded an album. The engineer that recorded the album for James has got six Grammys. Yep. So uh, Charlie Wooten, um, famous American bass player, he produced the album and played bass on it, and he brought in some of the greatest players in America to play on James's record, mm. and uh, recorded the record. It's called the Dockside Studio, uh, Dockside Sessions, mm. and it actually got into the final ballot to be nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Holy it shit. Just missed out by that much. Yeah. Uh, middle of the night one night I was checking my email and I got an email from the from the engineer and it and it was a screenshot. Mm. And it was a screenshot of the people in the final ballot for the Grammy Award for um Contemporary Blues album. Mm -hmm. And it was Eric Clapton and and um all these big all names. these yeah. you know, really big names. And then I'm reading down and, and James Southall and I'm like <laughs> and, uh, anyway, yeah, yeah he was awesome. he's the only um, Australian artist to ever yeah. um, be that close to a Grammy in, in that category. We've had a couple of um, traditional blues artists that have got Grammys and got mm -hmm. nominations, but he, yeah, in the contemporary one, he's the only one to ever mm. get that close, which was a pretty big feather in his cap. It's a very, very good record. Yeah. Should have brought you a copy. I forgot. Uh, that's all right. It. It's all good. I did buy your first book, which I'm, which we'll wait on later. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. You've got copy number one. Yeah, I know. That was wrapped with that. I, I ordered it, and you know, I was hoping I could read it today, but we're going to wait it out. Yeah, I don't. Do you, want to, do you want to announce when it's actually going to come out? Because it got rescheduled, didn't it? Okay, so the book, um, it's called the Crucifixion of Southie. Yeah. Uh, it was meant to be out on the twenty third of March. It was actually sentimental that date too, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the reason I wrote the book is because a friend of mine was killed on the 22nd of March mm. 2012 in a really, really bad accident. Mm. Um, and I got to thinking about his life and because he, he's got two beautiful daughters and how that his daughters are never going to hear his stories. Mm. So on the way home from his funeral, I thought, that's not going to happen to my kids, I'm going to tell my story. Mm. So I wrote... I wrote about a 15,000-word outline of all short stories of my life mm. and I printed it out and I sent it to a few mm. friends and family mm. and everyone responded really well to it. Mm. Um, and so I thought, well, I might you know, expand it. Mm. And then a f one of my friends knew a publisher and sent it to a publisher. Mm. And the publisher wrote to me and said how good it was. And then I got sent to a, 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 an American publisher who was going to publish it. Mm. But they wanted to change things that I didn't want to change. Mm. Like the, 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 the cover is me naked being yeah, crucified, on yeah. like, on, like Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And... Definitely um, a wild man, Tony. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> with, you know, my fucking nuts and fucking yeah. old fella, everything all showing, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, this woman writes back to me from America and she says, we, we can't have that cover. And mm. I said, why? She said, because we don't want, you know, a depiction of Jesus like that. And I said, it's not fucking Jesus. Mm. It's me. Mm. 
And I had to send her a picture of me to show that it, yeah. you know, I look like fucking Jesus. Yeah. And um, she, then they said, no, well, we can't have it. And I said, well, that's what the book is. Yeah. No. It's about, it's about yeah. being crucified. So, uh, changed. And we went from one publisher to the next. And I found a really niche publisher in Canberra, uh, a guy called James. Uh, and he, he helped me a lot, and we were going, he was going to publish it for me. We and he helped me get it to sort of a point where it was getting close. Mm. So, but then we sort of hit a bit of a wall with it. Mm. So I sent it to a, a proper publishing house here in Australia because mm-hmm. it had got to a, a stage where it was now a real book. It's a hundred thousand was ninety thousand words then. Mm. So I sent it to a real publisher for a. Review, I suppose. I, I know that's not the word they use, but for them to look at it and tell me what was wrong or right with it, mm. cost me. I had to pay for it. They wrote back and said that, told me all the things that were wrong with it, mm. but they loved it. Mm. They loved the idea. They loved the whole concept, and they wanted to publish it for me. Mm. So that's so we've had to go and fix all the things that were wrong with it, as mm-hmm. far as a proper book is mm-hmm. concerned. So now it's just over a hundred thousand words. So it's mm. quite a big book now, and it's how thick is it? Will it be like that thick? Like yeah, like probably yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. so it's going to be. It was because it's my first fifty years. Mm. So it's the idea. The concept was fifty chapters for fifty years. Yeah, but that didn't work when I sent it to the, this proper publishing house. Mm. They said that didn't work, because, so we had to change it. So now I think it's twenty four chapters. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's still fifty. It's about my first fifty years yeah. of alive, and and so I started writing in two thousand and twelve mm. when my friend Chills died, and now it's, so it's ten years. It's taken me to get it to mm. where it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's been promoted. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Our production team can zoom in on the thing at the end okay, of the podcast. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, there's lots of stories. That's really good because there's so. I st- Do you want to hold it up? Do you want me to grab yeah, it? Grab, yeah. All right, I'll grab it. I got. I um. I actually feel like I'm motiv- yeah. actually moving out of my chair. So first time ever. <laughs> can you see it or not? Oh, they can see it. Yeah. It's all right. It's um. All <laughs> so what happened was I I got an artist. I got onto a, a, a given an artist in Adelaide, who do, he did a. He did a party. We went mm. to a a, um, a big party, and uh, I'd rather not say what the party was, but mm. he did the artwork for the for the party. Mm. And so I contacted him and said, "I'm doing this." And, and this guy doesn't know me, mm. so we sent him a bunch of photos of me mm. doing different things. And not he, naked. <laughs> yeah, actually, no. There is a naked one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we sent that. And he yeah. came back with this. Yeah. And it's got so many of the stories mm. from the book are in the artwork. In the artwork itself. Yeah, yeah okay. Because So he's actually written, drawn the stories into the artwork. and which is So when people read the book, mm. they're going to then look at the artwork and they'll, they're going to be able to see that story. Yeah. Yep. Which is really, like there's a picture here. With some bloke snorting a line of coke off the bonnet of my race car at Calder. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and that happened, did it? I'm sure it did. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so there's lots of 
the me flying helicopters because I went and got my helicopter license. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and so the the artwork's very descriptive and a lot of it, and it's pretty cool. I'm really yeah. When 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 I got it back, I couldn't believe it was like the guy I'd known him my whole life. Yeah. You know, he did a really good job. Yeah. So yeah, so that'll be out soon and. Yep. Oh, you can put it. We'll put it back up there for a bit. Yep. Yeah, and it's pretty exciting. It's it's the every publisher that's seen it, they've 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 reacted exactly the same way. They've all said it's the most confrontational book they've ever read. Mm. Well, I ordered it. I just got to wait for yeah, it. Yeah, but read you've it. read bits and pieces. Of <laughs> I've it. read I've read draft copies of it, and yeah. that's why we've gone for a fair long yeah. while today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've done an amazing job, and Tony, I can't I can't not just I can't. I normally I just appreciate my guests for coming in here, but you yourself. Um, not many have known this, but, you know, we've organised this and you were essentially one of my pilot episodes originally before yeah. COVID and fucking the world fell apart. Yeah. But um, not only that, but you've actually travelled down from Queensland in your car with your daughter today yeah. to tell your story. And I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you enough for... Yeah, it's lucky, lucky this isn't live because my family don't actually know that I'm down here. Yeah. We're going to surprise them tonight when we arrive down in yeah. This comes out in a month, so they yeah, won't even yeah, worry yeah. about this. <laughs> so, that's, good, that's, that's good. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a big surprise to them. Yep, yep. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, dude, and... Yeah, hopefully we'll catch up on another time, maybe on a Zoom call or who knows yeah. what with the with the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going. I'm actually setting up at home. I'm going to start doing weekly, a yep. bit of a weekly. I've got a. I've already set up a bit of a studio at home. Yep. And I bought a little bit of gear. I'm going to start doing a, a weekly sort of yarn about the yep. racing that's on. Yep. The, the NASCAR stuff, and because I get sick to death of watching, the puerile censored mm. commentators because mm. then none of them are game to say what they feel mm. none of them are game to step out and 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 say if they don't like the way something's happened with either with nascar or the team or the tv they don't they, they they're too frightened to lose their jobs mm. so i want to say you know like let's talk about fucking trevor bain mm. you know it's mm. fucking true mm. you know you've the people they're meant Can you to pitch be, me for a job while you're at it. <laughs> they're meant to be full time. They're meant to be full time professional racing car drivers. Yeah, that's what their focus should be. Yeah, not on how pretty my fucking eyebrows look, mm. or not whether Jesus is on my shoulder, or or, mm. or whatever else their focus is. Mm. You know, they they should be racing cars. Mm. And there's so many things that go on in sport that I, I look at and in in motorsport and see that, you know. I'm not the fucking expert, and I don't want people to think I'm trying to say I'm the expert. I just have my opinions, mm. and my opinions are fucking right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> my opinion, but the Speedway stuff I'm very passionate about because I think Speedway should be, with the ticket sales that we have already in Speedway throughout Australia, that should be fucking double. Mm. That Sydney Speedway should be run by the government. Yep. And they should have a promotions company working for them, putting them on with a budget supplied by the fucking government. Mm. And the grandstand should be two-tiered and that should be 25,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, it's only 7,000. Yeah, I know. Mm. And it should be fucking packed. It should have a grass area, a hill for families to sit up on with their fucking blankets mm. and all that stuff. The Speedway's beautiful, but they just fucking missed the boat on a few things. Mm. Mm. And they missed an opportunity to take it to really fucking spend mm. the money that needs to be spent to make a show, mm. to get 
people off their asses out of their lounge rooms that have never been to a fucking speedway race before and go and watch the fucking race. Yeah. Introduce them to that. Yeah. It's And it's not going to happen the way it's being run at the moment. Mm. So I totally agree. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And I am passionate about it and I don't want to offend anyone. I'm sure I fucking have. <laughs> Michelle lectured me before, before I got here and said, please don't piss too many people off. <laughs> it's all right. We've done, a, we've done a great show though, Tony, and I really appreciate you for coming on. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I hope people like it. Oh, me too, man. Me too. I, I can't, be, can't be more thankful enough yeah. and for you supporting me with the podcast, even when we went to start at the start. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. a great idea. I, I love it. I think it's really cool. Yeah, you're cool. doing a great job. You've had some great fucking guests on. It's really cool. Yeah. Keep doing it. Yeah, you've got to tr- get fucking Barry Graham on here. All right, that's good. I like when people suggest me guests. You so who else should I get on? Barry Graham. Yep. Fred. Um, um, George Elliott. Yep. I'm gonna. I'm targeting George Elliott. Yep. Um, Max Dumsey. Yep. And him as well. Got he got him on my hit list as well. Um, Gary Rush. Gary Rush. That'd be great. Yep. You know, ten times Australian fucking champion. Yep. Um, Do you reckon you could put in a word for me with some of these boys? That I can put in a word for sure with George. Oh, sweet. All right, that'll work. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're those guys. I mean, Barry Graham, to me, is is the greatest. Yep. You know, he is the greatest uh, sedan driver of this country and, and midget driver. He He's done it all and knows everything and he's still fit. And st- he drove a race car fucking last weekend. Mm. I don't know. He must be 70 fucking five. Yeah, yeah. He went to Illabo Speedway and drove a fucking midget. Yeah. <laughs> Very quietly. Yeah. It wasn't, no one fucking knew about it. Yeah. But I just saw photos the other day, a mate posting some photos of yep. Barry Graham driving a midget at Illabo. He's still got the bug like you do. <laughs> it's it's dirt in the veins. Yeah. You can't, you can't wash it out. Yeah. Tony, I definitely want you again on some other time because I do want to see you look after your health and I'm pretty sure your wife will. Yeah be keeping a close eye on you as long as, as, long as your family yeah <laughs> alright Tony thanks for coming on the podcast no worries and, um, mate it's been a pleasure no worries all good we'll see you next time thank you thanks for listening to my chat with Tony Southwell if you're interested in Tony's book head over to the show notes if you enjoyed this podcast make sure to leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify <laughs>